Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 30, where we'll be diving into our favorite subject of all time once again with the second half of Battlestar Galactica Season 4. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who holds a legitimate claim to the throne of Luxembourg through a rather complicated arrangement with a mail-in coupon contest from 1987, but we can't discuss it again because, well, the Statue of Limitations haven't run out. He is the sweet Stan Lane to my beautiful Bobby Eaton, the one and only person to ever get a word in edgewise with Jim Coronet. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, hello, brother. How we doing? You know, uh, I'm not doing so bad this fine evening. That's and good. Yourself. I am well. I am well. I'm here recording with you, so uh, f- fun and revelry is to be had. Yes, yes, yes. Now, of course, we'll play. This is. Uh, I know this is a setup, anyways. But name the tag team, sir. I believe this was the Midnight Express. Yeah, that one's served up on a platter for you, really. <laughs> And and by the oh. way, just so everybody is is quite sure, we I'm I like to make up a lot of things about Tim's life. The one thing that you damn sure know is made up is the fact that he got a word in edgewise with Jim Cornette because oh, ain't gosh. nobody, ain't no. nobody, got a word in edgewise with 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 Corny. No, ever, no, ever. I mean, I think I think more I think more people have gotten a clean win over Hulk Hogan and never had to get that had to get that <laughs> win back. Then people have gotten a word in edgewise with Jim Cornette. Yeah. And God bless him for that. He is one of the most obscene, foul-mouthed people, but he is also hilarious. Good Lord. And and just, a, I mean, the knowledge that dude has of professional wrestling yeah. is a little scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it, He's one of those people who has knowledge in such a specific area that it becomes a little frightening. That yeah. you're like, you know that much about this. I'm surprised you know anything about anything else. Like, yes. Is there, there can't be room in your head for anything else. No, no. Anyways, there's my, there's my little monologue on Jim Coronet. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, before we, we get into the podcast proper, and now that we've kind of gotten through our, our normal shenanigans at the beginning, uh, we are, we're recording this on uh, Sunday, May 31st. And of course uh, there is a, a lot going on in the world and, uh, for a change, it's it's not COVID nineteen related, uh, which we all thought. Oh, that won't it be nice when there's something else in the news besides COVID nineteen? We were wrong. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a lot of horrible stuff going on right now, and uh, it feels a little weird to just dive right into our normal shenanigans and tomfoolery and idiocy without at least first acknowledging that, mm-hmm. but also saying by not talking directly about this tonight we are not trying to pretend that 
stuff doesn't happen in the world. We're not trying to pretend that everything in the world is, you know, all unicorns, rainbows, and pizza. It's, it's not. And uh, the fact is, though, this show is not about that. And if you are looking to us for your societal conscience, I would once again submit to you that you really need to, you need to examine your life. Uh, we are not the people to be speaking really with any type of gravitas about <laughs> a lot of subjects, yeah. um, and especially not this one. And uh, the thing that I will just say is that um, racism in any shape or form is wrong. Period. Amen. And that, uh, and that I'm of an age that we, we lived through the Rodney King incident, and it just doesn't seem like uh, anything is any different. And unfortunately, it's one of those deals where it seems like everybody wants change, but ain't nobody wanting change. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be something that that there's people are going to have to want to change. And I, I for one, will just state for the record, um, I've I have not said a lot of a, a lot on this subject up until right now because I just I don't know what to say because honestly, I know that the world doesn't need uh, you know some white boy who grew up in New ha- New Hampshire talking about this. Because quite honestly, my opinion is not all that valid <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, of this subject. But I, I will state for the record that I am willing to change. Whatever I need to change in order for people to stop being killed for mm-hmm. nothing other than the fact that they have a different skin tone from somebody else, I'm willing to change. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever it will take for us as a human, human race to change this i'm in so that's all i have to say about that is that uh you know we need to be willing to change if we want change amen and amen so uh that is about all we're going to say about that uh once again we don't get political uh we don't we don't do uh we're kind of trying to be that respite and we're here for the chuckles and the giggles but at the same time wrong is wrong and Mm -hmm. uh we're just uh we're we're really just man just hoping and praying that people uh stay safe and that we can uh, not be talking about more horrific incidents in the wake of this madness. Yeah. No, well said. So well said. Yeah. So I'm not going to, you know what, uh, you, you'll be able to subscribe. If you want to subscribe, I'm not going to go into all that shenanigans. We, we appreciate you tuning in. And if you're still listening, uh, we, we do look forward to talking about Battlestar Galactica and we enjoy, uh, discussing that for you and uh you know feel free to subscribe and and send us questions um it'll all be in the show notes so you can you can do that uh but right now um i think i'm a little bit thirsty after all that talking so uh sir uh what do you got over there ah what we have here my friend is a uh, a bottle a bottle uh we uh, as you know from last week uh we we received uh from from uh my, my my bootlegging network Uh, Uh, Care package. A care package of sorts, if you will. From Wisconsin, New Glarus specifically, uh, New Glarus Brewing Company. This is uh, Raspberry Tart. Raspberry Tart uh, uh, Brew. So it is is quite, quite good. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yes. So we'll be having a little bit of the fruitage tonight. It's a run by fruiting. Do you remember back, way back in the day, like Mm -hmm. I think this is probably... It was like the initial craft brew revolution when you had like Pete's Wicked Ale and all that stuff. Um, Sierra Nevada had a raspberry ale. Do oh, I do. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they had their what was it like Sierra Nevada like pale ale or or something yeah. like that, and then they had the raspberry. Now, of course, they've got some other stuff going on. I I don't think they still have the raspberry, but that's I remember that, and I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. And then I I had a couple of them like, 
Yeah, I think I want something that actually tastes like beer now. Can I have a, a beer flavored beer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so I, I I have this raspberry tart, and then as as my backup because this is BSG. So so we'll oh, we'll be yeah. talking for a bit. Uh, you, I, what you need is you need like one of them one of them Saint Bernards with a little <laughs> barrel to come down the stairs. <laughs> yes. Fido. Uh, Give me the barrel. Um, I, I have as backup as as the number two, the the Moon Man uh, that that I had last week. So oh. so so I'm balancing the fruity. And I got to tell you, I just took a sip of that thing. There, there's some pucker going on there, my friend. I'm just like, ooh, you know, got that got that pucker going on with the tartness. It's like, geez, it's oh, uh, it's it's interesting. But but, well, but we if, have the pale you're... ale in in the hopper uh, following. If you're slow to answer, I'll know why you're over there making the face like, oh, good. <laughs> I can't form words with my mouth right now. No. Um, as for me, uh, I've been. Uh, I'm gonna take a break from the whiskey this week, and I'm. Uh, I'm enjoying an omission pale ale, which uh, is hoppy and easy drinking, according to the label. Once again, this is not a true gluten-free beer. It is crafted to remove gluten. They skim it off. Uh, once again, they got the pool skimmer out. And, pool uh, skimmer. Again, I. I just want to do that job. I want that job. <laughs> And I want it to be at a New England brewery, so it's not it, on my business card. It won't say skimmer. It'll be skimmer. It'll be skimmer, and then you'll invent the smart skimmer. <laughs> it's a smart skimmer. <laughs> Anyways, oh my gosh, how do uh, how do we end up at Smart Park? Smart Park. <laughs> Actually, it it was it was destined to be really. That, that commercial is a delight to watch over and over again. <laughs> I just love it. Like, yes, this is this was what I grew up in. Do you have it on constant loop, like the Stone Cold, uh, the Stone Cold, um, what was it? Uh, oh, the bedpan shot. Oh, that's right. The 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 historic bedpan shot. No, it's 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 bookmarked though. So I every now and then I'll is. pull it up. Uh, it's not even. It, it, I don't want to mean to digress, but let's face it. This podcast is about digressions in some way. It that it's not even about the accent. The thing I was pointing out to like my, my, my family and friends about this that, that resonated with me so based on where we grew up was was also just, just how well they captured just that New England spirit of just like pulling up and it's like, oh, look at these two wise guys. I mean, there, there's conversations that start like that. <laughs> You know oh yeah, I mean, I mean Although, it's just hysterical. It's like, like yes, like like a few years back, Sarah and Live did a Dunkin' Donuts spoof commercial with uh, Casey Affleck. Yes, and again, I show that to some coworkers. I'm like, I knew people that did, like like the whole thing. There's a there's a spot where one of them like you know I I don't know messes with the other and they they start scrapping in the middle of the uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, I knew kids who did that. <laughs> It's just like it's so weird. Yep, you were that kid. Who are you kidding? Well, you know, you know, down down downtown Dover at the twenty four hour dunks. You were definitely doing that, like three thirty a.m. That's right. Well, what do you mean you had a crawlers? <laughs> <laughs> put put the poor guy working the register in a headlock. <laughs> I don't want a vanilla nut tap though. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm, we're not going to go there. Uh, you know what? I think the only way that if they really want to capitalize oh. on that, if they really want to, if they really want to win the New England uh, fan in that, mm-hmm. what they need to do is they need to do a winter version of that, where they're walking along and they have the smart pack, mm-hmm. but the guy's holding his spot with a with a folding chair, <laughs> plastic chair. 
I love because it. that is that is the most unrealistic part of that entire commercial is the fact yeah. that there's an empty spot in Boston that you can just wheel into like that. Like, oh, uh, yes. That, yeah. Uh, that would have been, that would have already had like someone wedged in there anyways, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but the I always thought that was hilarious. Like in the suburbs of Boston, you know, people, of course, there's, there's like, a spot available. <laughs> Yeah, like you can only park on one side. It's like an odd number of years you park on this side of the street, and the even number of years you park on this side of the street. And then you spend all that time clearing out that spot. Mm-hmm. You put your chair there. I mean, that's some Hatfield McCoy stuff. If you take someone's spot and move their chair, <laughs> you. I mean, and it's and not even like a substantial chair, like a like one of those plastic like lounge. Like some of them are even broken. Like the ones you put on like your patio or something. Yeah. It just, oh yeah, that's my chair. What are you doing? You're moving. That's my spot. That, I have my chair there. See, it's a green one with only three legs. <laughs> that's my chair. That's my spot. I, I always thought that was awesome. Yes. That's what, you know, my wife would never live in a city for reasons like that. That's actually a reason why I would live in a city. <laughs> I kind of, in, in this sick, twisted way, I want to have the, yeah. the, the chair-saving-the-spot experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Apparently, I just, again, deep self-loathing and hatred, I yeah. think, is, is part of it. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. We went good, good li- stuff. Again, yeah, this show is about progression. I'm really even surprised that we even have a topic. Like, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just ramble on for an hour and 30. Eventually, after two hours, we're like, you know what? What do we actually focus on? Actually, I bet people probably think that is how it works. We do pick the topic ahead of time. We, do, we don't There is some around. manner of organization here, believe it or not. Which you is know? frightening. It's frightening that this is where we're at with organization. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Star, uh, Star, Star, I don't know where I was going with that. Battlestar Galactica, season 4.5, for those uh, of you keeping track. Mm-hmm. However... Even that has an asterisk next to it. So what we're going to talk about is the second half of season four, but we are not including the series finale, which is the three-part episode that was Daybreak. Oh. So we are only speaking about the first, what was it? Oh, my gosh. It was uh, eight episodes, right? I believe so, yeah. Yep. Ye- yes, according to my count. Of course, I don't math, <coughs> so you know, take that for whatever it's worth. So first eight episodes of the second half of season four. Of season four, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, if you if you can follow that. So uh, overall thoughts on this second half. First of all, again to set the scene, this this series went from uh, what was it June? It, it it ended in June, the first half of season four, and then you had to wait till January for the second half of season four to start. So oh. we had that. We had that gap, and that was oh. a, that was the cliffhanger where they had just gotten to Earth, and oh by the way, it's nuked. Yeah. So, overall thoughts on this one, sir? What do you got? Well, I kind of threw in two two things. Um, so we're reeling from as as we talked about two episodes ago um, when we went over f- uh, the first half that the cliffhanger episode to end the first half of season four was the gut punch to end all gut punches uh, when it comes to a, a mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming in hot after uh, seeing that and, and kind of experiencing what, what everyone, both Cylons and Colonials, are, are, are thinking, are feeling, are doing now mm-hmm. that the one beacon of hope has been dashed from them. And what I think we see play out in the second half is, uh, you know, I kind of termed it everything that once was is breaking down. 
Yes. We are entropy is the, is the yeah. theme. I mean, if the first half of the season was about div- – I mean, you, you could say the first half of the season was somewhat about that because you saw division, but I don't think you saw a complete collapse of – of alliances of um, friendships of relationships of of some of the structure that that basically existed for the first three seasons what you started to see was division between groups or the seeds of it Mm -hmm. and i think in the second half you see the 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 complete tearing apart of of things that you never thought could be torn apart yeah um and and, and the other aspect of it as well, and, and we'll get into this when we talk about some of the characters and the moments and stuff, is there seems to be this repeated theme of the the consequence of, of not doing this. And then you, you see some characters who understand they need to let go of the past and accept where they are mm. and accept the situation. And, and I think we, we see both sides of that as this half season plays out because you have characters who refuse to let go and mm-hmm. they want to hold on to the hatred of the Cylons and they want to hold on to what started this whole journey. And it's just simply not the time or, or the place anymore for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so those are the two big things for, for, for me, everything that once was is breaking down. And then this idea of, coming to terms with the past no matter how horrific it is and and just kind of accepting this the situation for what it is and moving forward yeah and honestly i mean letting or, or dealing with the past is really has been a theme of the show since the miniseries since the part one of the miniseries yeah when adama is talking about the first cylon war and you know do are humans worthy of surviving you know here's and and it's all about the the sins of humans for what they did to the Cylons mm-hmm. and and how all of that shook out and it's still they're still trying to deal with what happened the results of what happened with that initial you know uh, rise of consciousness from the Cylons and that then then what happened after you know after the Cylons went away it's like yeah the, the, it's it's all fallout from that. Right, you know, right. and always has been, but now it's like it's just piling up and up and up mm-hmm. and up. And it, and it, I thought it was really interesting, especially in the f- and this isn't we're we're I'm getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but uh, then again, you know, if people haven't seen the show, eh. um, <laughs> but then again, your your sister in law is watching the show now because apparently we have like we have beaten her into submission. <laughs> by <laughs> Just, just worn her down. To I the don't point know if like, she turned it that way, but, but yeah, she, she, uh, she informed me on Friday, because uh, we, we usually do a Friday night kind of family movie night uh, on Zoom together, and uh, yeah, she let me know she's going to start, or she has already started uh, watching season one. So, and and we'll go back and listen to our, you know, five hour. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God bless her for that. She's she's up for a sainthood if she makes it through all those recap of said seasons. So you, you wow. know that's another thing we got to go back and look at is the evolution of how we started out doing these and how <laughs> I think finally we're, we've kind of whittled it down to a rhythm that works for us. <laughs> no, no, we we shan't be doing that. Oh, I, good lord! <laughs> I, I I made the mistake. Okay, so I wasn't going to talk about this, but damn it, you brought it up. And, okay, and you know please. what? Appar- you know it's all out there, anyways. I mean, everything's forever on the internet. Mm-hmm. 
but you mentioned something about the the intro to the show, beginning of the show or something like that, mm-hmm. earlier shows. And I made the mistake of going back and listening to like the first five minutes, like the first five episodes. Oh, man. It's always hard to listen to yourself recorded anyways. Yep. But it was like it was like an NPR sketch from Saturday Night Live from hell. It was it was. <laughs> oh, I was like, I if this was a show, I would have canceled it like a minute and a half in. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it, oh, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. So it, 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 it was interesting. Uh, you, you and I sounded like we needed a few coffees in our system before. Oh, it's like free range. It is young Quaaludes. Like, what what was going on? Like we were just heavily sedated or something. Don't you uh, think that's great, Tim? Yes, oh, Todd, yeah. I do. <laughs> we were, well, the thing is, we were desperately grasping for some sort of legitimacy, and then after a while, we were like, you know what? We're never going to achieve that anyways, so uh, we might as well, let's just be ourselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's where we are now, so thank you for catching up. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so let's dive right in uh, with our with – our, we kind of call these top five moments, but actually a better way to be – put this would probably be five most significant moments from these episodes because i really feel like <laughs> some of the again it's there was and it's funny actually i was listening to the commentary from episode seven which uh is um oh my gosh someone to watch over me and because it's one of my favorite episodes from this from this part of this uh season mm-hmm. and ron moore was saying uh <laughs> he was saying something it was relating to one of the scenes in that he's like if it's horrible, it's got to be Battlestar Galactica. You know, like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff in here that there's, there's not a lot of uplift. So we didn't want to say top moments because, like, yay, this is great. Like, no, this yeah. is a significant moment in terms of the story. We're not yes. saying that these are great moments because, quite honestly, some of these are not. Well, and, and, uh, and, and I think it's fair to say for, for both you and I that that's these moments that we – are going to talk about our, our, our moments of, yes, they're significant, but they're also moments that there's, there's a resin, a, a resonance with them, you know, that mm-hmm. it just, you know, especially in this back half of the season, th- there's just a lot of emotional moments and, and payoffs that, that start to happen, you know, as time goes on. And, you know, it just, it, it, and, and, you know, again, you know, it's the end of the show. You know, so it's it's yeah. starting to wrap things up. So I, I think there's there's just that added kind of emotion to a lot of it, too. And so, yeah, the, the, these are not uh, happy moments. No, <laughs> I think most of them are, are are not falling into that bucket at all. So, yeah, you could say that yeah. I think. pretty, yeah. pretty easily. You could say that. Uh, so do we want to flip a coin here or do we want to play the, the Poe Dameron? Do you go first or do I go first? Um, go I, I am – well, uh, one question. Are we going to go from five to one or, or just start start at the top and work our way down? Oh, that's right because you, you do it in order and I just sort of whatever number they occur to me in. I do not have mine ranked, so if you – Then let's just blow through them as they are. Okay. And since you are kind enough to give me the final word every week, uh, I will uh, – defer the kickoff to the second half okay so my the first moment that i came up with it comes from the first episode of this half of the season and uh just one word d i i have i've watched a lot of tv in my day okay i've watched a lot of tv watched a lot of that is the understatement to end all understatements 
Watched a lot of movies. And that's saying something because I actually haven't had like cable or anything like that for a long time now. But I, I watched a lot before that. So I, mean, I, I feel like ba- I've Based on out. our time of, of, of being roommates at one point, I, I think you had a pretty good handle on the entire series of MASH at one point. <laughs> oh, dude, that was great. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, you, you got me watching it. I mean, I, I never really got into it until I think we, we uh, split the apartment for a while. Well, that was an amazing time because for some way, I mean, usually when like it's like one network will have the syndication rights. But for some reason, at that point, it seemed like four different channels had syndication rights for MASH. And they were all playing them at different times. So there was actually a way that I had it scheduled through the day where I could watch three hours worth of MASH. (laughs) Just by catching it at the right time, and yep. it was it was insane. Yep. I must have seen the entire series multiple times just in that one year. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so yeah, just in mash hours alone, I'm probably up there. That all being said, D, losing Dewala oh. messed me up for several days. Like yeah. I have, I have never had the death of a fictional character do that to me. Like. Like, oh, I was I was thinking about it. Like, no, I was actually like I I was it was this weird thing where I just I was actually down. Like I had heard about somebody that it was like somebody that I knew, you know, not obviously like a close family member or something. But it was it was this thing. Right. That I like I, I actually was just it. It messed me up for a couple days. And I mean, that's that's a tribute to, uh, of course, the 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 acting of Candace McClure, who I think did such a fantastic job with that role in, in mm. terms of how little she was given in some episodes and always keeping that character somewhat interesting and, and really the moments that she had, she shown, man, like the time that she she spoke to Adama and, and he was like, I don't want to hear this. And she kept on going and I'm like, damn, he's like reading the old man, the riot act, like in a low key way, but she's really like tossing it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of those moments, she just did so well, and there was just something about uh, about her as an actress. Like there's some there's there's some actors who just they have this thing that you're just like, I I, I just I think she I think they're fantastic. Like I just I really I I like them for yeah. whatever reason, and and she had that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the part the reason I think this is such a significant moment is because she then serves as a stand-in for all of the people who are just going to be wrecked at this point. I mean, there's so many people who have survived to this point and gone through all of this. They went through the annihilation of the colonies. They went through being on the run, every attack, thinking that this is the time that my ship is going to be the one that gets blown up or left behind or breaks apart or whatever. Uh, and or just randomly explodes because hey we're we're doing all the maintenance we can but eh, keep your fingers crossed because we ain't got replacement parts. All of that stress, and then you finally, you know, Adama makes that great speech of we found Earth, and this and that and the other, and you get there, and it's like, eh, it ain't happening. Like, Rosalind gets off of that raptor, and everyone's there, just silent, and she just does that little head shake. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And she then becomes all of those people who are like, nope, I can't do anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, This is the point in the ride I get off. This is my stop, folks. I'm done. Yeah. And the fact that, like, man, and again, maybe I'm just blissfully ignorant. I did not see it coming. The first time I saw that, I did not see it coming. No. I just didn't. And I thought that she had kind of bounced back and that, you know, because, of course, she was 
on that raptor coming back, like, hold it together, hold it together, hold it together. Like, yeah. she just kept on repeating to herself, like, trying to talk herself into it. And I was like, okay, uh, all right, I think this is better. And her and maybe Lee are going to get back together. And then just pulls out that gun. And, like, if there's a way that, if there's one time that I could reach through a television screen, that would have been it. Yeah. Like, no! Like, grab that, you know? Like, oh, my gosh. But just her, just the fact that she did that, and it was such a significant moment, represented, like, just how bad things had got. Yeah. You know? And and we'll get into this more when we talk about the, you know, I mean, I know we're, I, I know we're not going to deep dive in every episode that we picked for our top three, but if if there was an episode of, you know, and I'm sorry, I, I keep going back to The Walking Dead, but there there are there are similarities at times thematically with these two shows. Mm-hmm. When when they and I've talked about this before about this character Negan, the very first time they bring Negan in as as and he came in as a mid season or not a uh, sorry an end of season cliffhanger because they left it as he's going to kill someone in the group and and they film it from the perspective of the person getting hit but you don't know who it is mm-hmm. but there was such like like that that season premiere when they came back there was such an air of hopelessness it was a tearing down of the characters who had up to that point been very successful and who had been very you know much you know just catching breaks and surviving mm-hmm. and there was such an air of hopelessness in that episode after when they finally revealed who, who the two were that were going to get, you know, or who got killed off. Yeah. And I, I liken it to this episode because they, the way they filmed it. I mean, even the beginning when there's just these close ups on all their faces and just, mm. you see the wear and tear of the journey, you see the hopelessness and D's character is especially rough because you know again and, and i felt the same way it, it completely caught me off guard and you're just kind of like what did i just see you know but her character always kind of had embodied that hope you know and, and you know not that she was the only one on the show but i mean she she just she was always that kind of young hopeful loyal soldier to adama you know and and she you know like you said she was there for him when when he when he needed a, a talking to yeah and i think that's what made her end so much more harsher because it, it really kind of underscored and emphasized the, the, the level of hopelessness that this group now faced. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to see it happen on, on the ship. I mean, Adama's walking the ship and, you know, you see just, you know, people sitting on the floor in the corners, you see, you know, some, some spray painted whatever on, on, on the side of, you know, the wall as he's walking by and stuff. I mean, things are just, like I said, things are starting to fall apart. Yeah, because because hope is no longer there to galvanize them. Yeah, and the and his reaction, like when Lee is in the morgue, and and they're stand they're standing over Duala's body, and and Adama comes in, and you kind of he just looks like Adama, like sad. Yeah, and then and then Lee is talking and talking and talking, and then he turns like he turns to to his dad, and he's like, "How could this have happened?" And he just cracks that point. He's like. I don't fracking know. And you know at that point, like, oh, hell, the old man's drunk. Pulls yeah. out a flask, and he is just, it's a different kind of broken. Yeah. It is It is not a, like a rageful broken. It's not a mournful broken. It's beyond that. It is just hopeless, like you said. There is there yeah. is no hope at that point for him. Right. Like, right. He, he's, it's, it's utter befuddlement, I guess, uh, in, a, in a very profound philosophical way. 
Yeah. And and he can't comfort Lee at all. Like he's just he's got nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is so. And and actually, I want to get this right. When when they're when they're lifting off from Earth, uh, she keeps repeating, "Just don't give up." Those yeah. are the exact words. Yeah. And I made sure I wrote that down because it is it is like that is. That's kind of been the mantra yeah. for this show. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. And in a way, like I don't even, I don't even know if that's her giving up, like as as like uh, her her committing suicide is giving up, or if that's just her, like I I don't know what it is. I I seriously don't. Like right. I I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah. And I kept bracing for it because I I was just like. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And and then it happened, and I still was just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Yeah. And oh my gosh, yeah. That oh, it's just gut wrenching. Absolutely gut wrenching. It is. It is. And and it and again, like I said, it's it is just communicating that hopelessness, and and really, that is like the the first few episodes of this half of the season. It really focuses on that and how you do that, and it. And that's what makes this show so show so great mm-hmm. is that they don't shy away from that. Yes. They don't shy away from the fact that people are going to lose hope and they're going to hit this point and that you can't always have the leader just rally everybody with a speech, even though, I mean, he does kind of rally them with a speech right. at the end. But even then, I mean, it's not it's not quite the, you know, yeehaw sort of thing. It's mostly like, what else are we going to do? Right. You know, right. oh, uh, horrible. Absolutely horrible. Yep. So uh, I I will now go to you and and I'm, I don't know if you've got anything that's cheerier than that. Well, <laughs> I, I mean hope, I I, hope I, so. I mean you and I have a similar number one because I think you know as we've talked through it it it, it both you know you talk about moments that impact you and and resonate you know strongly with you and and that's one of them and I I kind of went a little and maybe I'm cheating a little bit by doing this but I, in this episode I kind of looked at both D and Deanna. Um, because in Deanna's, and maybe I'll focus a little more on Deanna cause, cause you, you covered very well, you know, just, just the impact of, of, you know, D taking her life, um, and doing it so unexpectedly, you know, Deanna for me was really interesting because, you know, she's making a choice where partially out of fear cause she does not want to face Kavel again. Um, because, you know, she, she basically abandoned him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she's fears what he's going to do to her, but, the way that it's just kind of like she just got resurrected, you know, she she played this role where she knew who the fi- final five were and and wanted to bring them all together, um, you know, minus minus one of the five. Um, mm-hmm. And in that moment to just be like, I'm just going to stay on this desolate planet. Really kind of, I mean, it, it doesn't have the same visual impact that, that Dee's death had, but for me, like mentally thinking about it, it impacted me in the sense that it's just like here's a character who chooses to just stay on this nuked desolate planet and that's the best option for her yeah you know like like that to me was just like and she's the last of her model you know there there is not another copy of her so when she dies from whatever whether it's starvation or radiation poisoning or whatever it is because she'll eventually die she's going to die alone on that planet Yep. And and it's just kind of a very, you know, it, I mean, obviously kind of played into the story that Adama shared with Ty earlier in that episode where he, you know, he shared about how, um, mm. wasn't he on his like father's farm or his grandfather's farm or something? And they had a chase. Yeah, I think fo- it was the grandfather's farm. Yeah. And they had to chase foxes out of it into a river or something. And some of the foxes just kind of like 
stopped swimming and they just like floated out to the ocean and drowned basically no it wasn't even that like they actually turned downstream and swam out to sea yeah yeah and they'd and they'd find them like mile out out at sea still swimming yes yeah and and that's and i think that was meant to be kind of about what deanne is doing you know like she's just staying put Mm -hmm. you know she's giving up in in a different way than than d um and and so yeah so i mean this i think between those two characters they they really did a nice job of capturing a i mean if you want to call it a nice job um but but just capturing the the hopelessness and how that plays out um because not every character could do the same thing i mean Rosalind has her moment um oh yeah when she's just burning the pages and and she's having a book and she's having a nervous breakdown you know because it's just like everything that she thought she knew and believed in she now does I, i mean everyone's losing something they've been holding on to for the last three and a half you know seasons and or four and a half seasons i guess and now it's all gone and so what do they have you know yeah so that that very impactful moment to 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 really get, i mean when you think about it it's you know if if the end of season first half of season 4 was the gut punch like ouch you know there is no earth this one just you know again just had this hopelessness to it of what are they going to do now where where does this story go mm-hmm. you know and and it just ugh. yeah it's rough yeah yeah to say the least the next, the next moment that I had was uh, also from that episode, the realization that the 13th tribe were Cylons, which is, a, is where we, again, I mean, there's a lot of points that diverge from the original series, but the, the original series was, you know, the 13th tribe was, you know, humans who came to Earth. And, of course, now it's not humans who found Earth. It was Cylons. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that they had basically managed to procreate in a natural way and therefore had no longer any need for resurrection and that were then trying to, in a weird way, gain that knowledge back. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what the final five did. They managed to rediscover and uncover and, 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 and figure out how to do resurrection again. And that ends up being how we get the final five and we get blah, 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 and you know, all of that. And how they become the witnesses to all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Yeah. And that that kind of then also catapults us towards the idea that, oh, well, now resurrection has been taken away from the Cylons, but there's a possibility of it coming back. Mm-hmm. This It really starts setting up like the, the entire end of this story, as well as just this idea of, uh, of also setting up like the colony. And it, it really does take the series... In a, in, in a certain direction that I don't know, I mean, because once you reach Earth midway through season four, yeah, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it becomes a very weird spot, and I feel like this really provided a, a, a great focus mm-hmm. and jumping off point, and it's kind of an easy way to, to blend all of this together, and I thought it was a really nice way that the writers did that. Again, it's not, it's obviously not like the sexiest, like flashiest point, but I really felt that it was the underpinning for really the second half of the season and getting you to the end yeah. and, and getting to daybreak. Yeah. I really felt this was a, a really big point. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember, I, and, and, and I, I don't know if you remember it, but I remember 
when you first saw this, because I had not watched the show when it was airing, you know, I, I watched mm-hmm. it after the fact all on, on DVD. And I remember you posted something on Facebook when this, th- it must've been when this episode aired because you wrote something like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're all Cylons. Good night. <laughs> or something like that. And I had no yeah. point of reference because I wasn't watching the show. I just remember it cracked me up because I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> well, that actually might have been that might have been the series finale now that I think about it, because I, I do remember like this wasn't as big of a deal for me the first time I watched okay. it. OK, OK. But it, it but it really kind of it hit me this time because I was like, oh, yeah, because this then ties to this and this and this and this and this. And that's what gets us to this next point. Ah, OK. But yeah, it is that whole idea of like, oh. And, and, and it even ties in again. You get to Earth and, and oh, hey, it's well, Cylons. Because at that moment in time when we watched this episode, mm-hmm. we probably all still have the perspective and thought process that this is all happening in the future. Well, yeah. And so when they landed at Earth and found out that Earth was... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Spoilers. What? I'm just kidding. What? No. Um, when, when, when they land, when they discovered that earth was populated by Cylons, that's when I thought you had wrote that because I don't, Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I just remember it cracked me up. And then I, I think in some small way that kind of got me going down the path of wanting to watch it because it's like, Oh, this sounds kind of interesting. You know, like what's going on here sort of thing. So, yeah, well, I'm glad that I could, I could help you engage in this obsession. Well, you know, we all have to pass the bottle around, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And unfortunately, your wife now will never forgive me. Oh, good lord! <laughs> oh, is there going to be is there going to be any true. room for for me in the garage with with you and Reb eventually? Oh, sure, absolutely. I'll get kicked out. That's what that's what bunks are for, baby. So, well, well, I'll be living in a detached garage somewhere in Indiana. That's that's where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. I can see it now. Oh, oh absolutely. All right. So what was your next moment, sir? Uh, so, you know, so I kind of did mine from from, you know, most impactful down um, or, or top whatever, top one, two, three, so on. So second one I had was um, was actually from the last episode of, of this set that we're talking through. And, and it was the final mm. scene uh, in Islanded in a Stream of Stars um, when Adama informs Ty that they're going to be abandoning ship. Um, we'll get into why shortly. Um, mm-hmm. But but just that scene with these two battle-hardened, you know, close friends, um, regardless of whatever, you, you know, regardless of, of the fact Ty is a, is, is a Cylon at that point, Adama has come, you know, come to uh, grips with that, is at peace with it. And he finally comes to a point of being at peace with what has to happen with Galactica. You know, just seeing those those two friends sitting on the couch as the camera kind of pulls away toward the end, raising a glass to 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 the old girl uh, as they make the decision to to abandon ship it was just very it was just such a great way to tee up what what would end up launching us into the finale. Yeah. And and it was just it was such an emotional like ending, you know, like I, I just thought like and, and when I watched it and saw the end of it realizing you and I were going to talk about the episodes up to that point. I'm like, this is the very reason why we're doing this. Cause this is a perfect bookend to what this season, you know, really is before the series finale, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of telling that story and, and getting it to a point where Adama can be at peace. Cause just before that, if you remember, 
you know, Dom is walking the ship where they're doing repairs and he just comes to a place where someone was doing some painting and he starts to throw some paint up on the wall, you know, like Oh no, that was his quarters. Were those that his quarters? His, that was his quarters. There was one wall that they had kind of taken apart because it was oh, it was being patched. Oh, I did not pick that up. I thought he was yeah. just roaming the halls of that area they were working. Okay, okay. Well, I guess that makes a little more sense then. But but nonetheless, I mean, he, he just he starts to paint it, and then he gets really sloppy when he paints it, and he just throws the paint on the wall, and he just kind of collapses yeah. like this broken man. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and just leading from that into, you know, the conversation he and Ty have, it was just such a poignant moment for the two of them given everything they've gone through to come to a point where they're at peace with whatever the next step needs to be and that's and that's kind of what i talked about at the beginning where this theme of accepting where you are and being able to move forward yeah you know allows the characters to be able to move into whatever the next step is is intended to be for their journey and they don't know what that is right now i mean that that's kind of the disorienting part of this of this last half of the season is you you don't really know what's coming because the journey has changed greatly. Yeah. You know, it's not about finding earth and, you know, finding that final home for them. They're, they're kind of roaming around and, you know, really a lot of it's dealing with the mutiny and dealing with, you know, the structural issues with Galacta. I mean, there's all sorts, I mean, just things are, are breaking down and they're just, you're kind of wondering what is their end going to be, you know? Yeah. And so this was just kind of a, a poignant moment um, for, for, for both for both Adama and Ty. So that's my number two. Yeah. I mean, when 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 Adama says, you know, best ship in the fleet, oh, it got it, it got a little dusty. I got to admit. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you know? with the music and the way they felt the, 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 the camera shot pulling back and the two of them. I mean, I'm just like, oh, tissues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, this 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 second half of the season really does talk about and and Rosalind even says it. I think it may be in that episode uh, just out and out says it, how it's how tough it is for him to lose the two women that he loves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's Rosalind and Galactica. Yeah. Because those are his two his two great loves. Yeah. And man, just the idea that he, he can't do anything about either one. And that powerlessness. Yes. Oh man, and 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 his coming to it, his coming to accept that, with with both of them, right. is 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 tough. Um, yeah. Yep. But as usual, I mean, Adama does he 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 fights it and fights it and fights it until he gets to that point where he kind of has like this emotional catharsis, and then he's like, "All right, I'm ready to go now." Yeah. You yep. know, and I think that's part of the, I guess. I guess that's probably part of the reason why I voted so heavily for Adama in last week's episode, uh, because I feel like that's me. I feel like I I will fight, yeah, kick and scream until it's like okay, I have to do this now because there's no other way to justify me not doing it. All right, and then I'll I'll do it, yeah, and 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 do it, you know, full force. But I will kick and, and fight and scream along the way until I hit that point of resignation and make that turn that corner. Yeah. And I maybe that's me just identifying with this character a little bit too much. I don't know. Well, and, but I, and I did. I did. I do like that about Bill. And, and, and you know, and like we talked about last week, I think that's one of the I mean, I'm, you know, once once listeners hear it, they'll know, you know, I I, I lean a bit more toward the Picard side because that's a bit more of an idealized view. You know, um, I like Adama. 
and I think you're right. I think Adama represents a bit more of reality, you know, for, for all of us. That, that Like you said, you can relate to that. I can relate to that. Whereas Picard is a bit more of a, I don't want to say theoretical, but it's like it's, it's different being in a peaceful time and dealing with politics and diplomacy than it is to be surviving, you know, mm. and having to make a lot of very difficult choices mm. and, and processing in the midst of a situation like Adama's in where there is no hope, there is no real goal other than to just try to roam around and find something, you know, yeah. that they can live in, you know, some planet that is habitable that they could live. Uh, on um, and dealing with all this other stuff. And you're absolutely right. You know, you, you, we all have been there. We all we all try to fight something until we realize we can't fight it anymore and we have to accept it and move forward. So my next moment uh, would be, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm not going to cheat quite as bad as I did last, uh, our last recap episode where I chose an entire episode as my moment. I, I'm not going to cheat quite that much. However, I will take the entire Galactica mutiny the entire Gata Zarek mutiny, uh, but specifically the one moment Slacker. to me. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, totally. I'll own it. Um, I, I'm too old to fight that crap anymore. I yep, know. that's me. Uh, that's me. But specifically, that moment when it seems like all hope is lost, and and Zarek tells Rosalind, who is who has escaped to the base ship, the Rebel base ship, uh, that Adama has been executed, and that and that Saul Tai was killed. Uh, trying to escape and Rosalind just looks broken mm. and then all of a sudden she just goes off and it's <laughs> scary yep like oh my gosh like there that just that was the wrong thing to do and she was just like I'm coming for you all and I'm just like oh good lord she's gonna nuke the entire fleet yeah she's that's it that's yep. it Oh my gosh, that side of Rosalind that I mean, you've seen how tough Rosalind is. Yes. You've seen how tough this woman is. And it just takes it to this other level of like, oh no, no. That was the wrong move, Tom. That was the wrong move. Yeah. You that's that's right up there with, with, with like with like the Japanese military feeling like, oh, you know what we ought to do? We ought to bomb Pearl Harbor and that'll that'll take America out of the war. <laughs> it's that level of miscalculation. Yes. yes. Like not only did you not achieve your goal, you actually got the exact opposite <laughs> tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But that was just such a great moment because to me again, it, it shows that that resolve, that mm-hmm. inner strength that Rosalind has had that she always she doesn't always demonstrate. It's not always out there. Yeah. But man, when she needs it, she goes to that well and she went deep in that well. Well, and <laughs> in and that and, moment. And not only is it the strength, but it's the love. You know, like probably oh, Zarek, totally. probably Zarek and others didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. But but you, you know, they flash to 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 the number 6 that's on the base ship with her as yeah. she's doing this and she and Six knows where this is coming from. Yeah. And she and, and she's with Rosalind. Like she can feel the intensity and, and see the intensity in this woman and why she is about to open holy hell upon the fleet because of, oh, of, of yeah. this. She knows Let's why. Slip the dogs of war, ladies oh, and gentlemen. <laughs> she sounds like you know, it it's it, it was such a such a a neat way to kind of I hate to say neat, that's such a stupid term. It, it, it was such an interesting way for them to play that out with her being as sick as she, you know her character mm. was with with the cancer but having the energy and the strength to muster up that kind of a speech oh yeah and, and like you said that that kind of resolve to say 
you have now put the nail in your coffin. I am not rolling over. I am going to hunt you guys down and yeah. make sure that whatever it is you're trying to do is going every to fall bomb, apart. Every bullet. Yep. Down to my eye teeth. Yes. God. <laughs> I mean, I was scared. And I know this is a, I know it's a TV show, but I'm like, oh, I hope she doesn't get mad at me. Well, and and, 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 and since you kind of took the whole mutiny, I know you're focusing just on, on what Rosalind said, but what I find so interesting with the mutiny was how how realistic it I because I, I, I can kind of see anything like this playing out this way, that it goes really well in the beginning because of the surprise nature of it. Mm-hmm. And then once you start to get people involved that have strength and who have their wits about them and, and, and the resolve to not allow this to go to, to the, the logical end that the perpetrators wanted to go to, mm-hmm. you see how the wheels fall off. Well, you see, you see the, you see what becomes necessary in order to accomplish that. Right. And, and what that will take. Yeah. And yeah, all of a sudden that element of surprise ain't there anymore. Right. And now it's, the reality starts setting in. Yeah, you're totally right. And yeah. like and, and and like you said, we, we, Zarek made the big miscalculation. Like, not now had he done something like that in season one when there was literally no relationship between Adama and Rosalind other than a professional one, probably she wouldn't have reacted that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it would have been a very different situation. But here, where you know she has accepted her situation, she is trying to live her life. What mm-hmm. what is left of it and and live it with you know love for this man and and to to see that being completely ripped away from i mean you know if you think about it in that's in that moment for her right no earth no adama now she's got nothing oh yeah and nothing to lose nothing to lose and so now it's gonna be fine gloves are off we're we're going to town yeah oh yeah <laughs> gee i just so happen to have several dozen nuclear warheads here absolutely <laughs> imagine that mm. yeah oh my gosh yeah and and mary mcdonald's so good in that scene again oh, yeah. just because we've seen her as sickly and just and weak and 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 yeah she had moments of strength like when she was like telling adama you know this, but you know that she's sick yeah yeah and just that rally and oh, that yeah. righteous anger and just just like channeling that from somewhere oh my gosh yeah so good how how they didn't just basically just mail her an Emmy after that? <laughs> I I don't I, you know I know that's an that's an injustice that may never be corrected. No. So what what's your next one, sir? Um, my next one I I'm I'm kind of it's funny I'm I'm doing a similar thing as you um where I'm oh all of a sudden I'm not a, such a slacker after all am slacker. I slacker um I just like saying that did we discuss did we discuss that last time or, or what's this? maybe a, it was just a tweet. That that Marty McFly's principal was also like the captain of Maverick's aircraft carrier. Yes, that was a tweet. How, you how come out. more of that hasn't been made? Like, good lord! I know. I mean, get up in front of uh, Maverick and company and just look at him and be like, "Slackers." <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But then again, that was a little. That wasn't. That wasn't like the deal back in the '80s. Like it took until kind of the '90s for that to become kind of cheeky. And actually, to yeah. relate this, uh, so uh, I, I I got the kid. Uh, we were we were having a lazy Sunday today and decided to watch Independence Day because I mean that's what you have to do, right? It's <laughs> it's 
it's a lazy Sunday afternoon. Time to get the kid a little bit deeper into sci-fi geekery. Uh-huh. Because, because my wife was asleep, and she has been very against trying to get my kid into sci-fi. My kid loves it. Good. I, I started watching Star Wars nice. and all this stuff. And so now I was like, hey, you want to watch a movie about aliens invading the planet with Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith? And she's like, who are they? I'm like, never mind. Let's watch. And so, watch Jeff and Goldblum so, hack an alien ship with an apple computer yeah <laughs> yeah and the funny part is so we're watching like oh he's from jurassic park i'm like yes and so as they're escaping the alien mothership and jeff Lynn was must go faster must go faster i was like i forgot that part oh that's funny and she's like hey that's from jurassic park and i'm like that's right that was back like when you when you kind of ref- started referencing other movies yep was a little bit more you know like it happened a little bit more that would have been awesome, though, if he had referred to, like, Goose and Maverick as slackers. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh. That would be wonderful. It would have been. Then again, which came first, Back to the Future or Top Gun? Uh, Back to the Future. It did? Back to the Future was 85. I believe Top Gun was 86 or 87. You are a fount of knowledge, sir. <sighs> I'm going to I'm gonna fact check that while you're talking about your next point. Actually, but- I'm, I am pretty confident it was 86, 87 because I remember – I had classmates in junior high, uh, girls who were very into Top Gun because of Tom Cruise. Ah, and I okay. remember here having to hear about that on an almost daily basis ad nauseum. And I'm just like, please, just stop talking about this movie. <laughs> okay, so you got one of them right. Top Gun was '87. All right. Back to the Future was '85. I said, yeah, I said that. I said Back to the Future was '85. I thought you well. You're saying '85, '86. No, no, no. Back to Future said '85. Top Gun, I said, was either '86 or '87. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm too lazy to backtrack and actually go back to the. Court I can turn my gain up if you'd like, so you could hear me. Oh, <laughs> don't even start with me, sir. <laughs> I will reach through this digital connection and beat you, <laughs> smack you upside smack the head you with around. a. With a set of leather gloves. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I want satisfaction. Smack. Oh, good Lord. We will draw swords at sunrise. Ah, yes. I will and, get and these swords. And, and more than likely, both throw our back out before we even take one swing. Yeah, we'll, we'll be over at the local Denny's having some pancakes and coffee. Uh, <laughs> we'll before we'll sort it out that way. Anyways, what what the hell are we talking about? My we number three. Your was okay, there the backstory of the final five. <laughs> Thank goodness somebody leaves a trail of breadcrumbs when they go oh, we go off. Sweet Lord. Uh, yeah, I, I selected this one because I thought it was a very, just a very interesting and, and cool way to kind of bring the story full circle of mm-hmm. how the final five weren't just these, you know, as, as we learned about them, being from that from that planet Earth, the desolated or, or the decimated and desolate Earth that they found, mm-hmm. that they weren't just from there, but they had actually traveled back to the colonies to warn them, mm. and that they were actually the reason the first Cylon War stopped, and yes, and and why the Cylons disappeared for so long because they were they had made a deal with them to bring them the resurrection technology to help perfect um, them being human in form. Mm-hmm. Um, and they designed the models and so on. And so that whole backstory, I just thought, was a very interesting way to pay off on something that they didn't have to pay off on. You know, like yes. answering the question of why the first Cylon War ended abruptly, why there was 50 years of no, you know, no contact from the Cylons really wasn't something in season four that I, I was really thinking about. 
but to see them kind of complete the circle and the cycle of of what goes on here between man and machine just enhanced the story all the more yeah you know and, and, and really brought a depth to it that you hadn't really thought about before and i thought it was really cool that they were like yeah we didn't have ftl but we could go at like you know subluminal speed so we were able to like like they even worked like einstein's theory of relativity in there where it's like they were traveling kind of almost a light speed but in that zone where time passes slower for them than it does for everyone else yeah and so it was like thousands of years went by even though it was a short it felt like a not so long trip for them so now um, you know what came comes to me first when i think about that just to show my further geek bona fides mm-hmm. the part in i uh i think it was actually life the universe and everything when douglas adams starts talking about how uh they developed faster and faster uh, space engines so that eventually they would actually outpace people who had left hundreds of years before so all of a sudden a war that had been over for a long time and declared peace all of a sudden the battleships would show up that had been sent like a long time before that and they didn't mm. know that so they'd start up again oh jeez! and it started causing all this confusion because the, the people could travel faster now but there were still all these people out there without that information right <laughs> traveling right. really slow and yeah. no way to inform them yeah yeah, oh, that's funny. Uh, now I'm going to have to go back and reread The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yep. trilogy, which is actually five books. And if you don't know anything about that, please pause right now, go buy all those books, then come back, and when they arrive, go ahead and read them all. Read the books. Read the books in your sweats. In your sweats, yes. <laughs> so that was my number three, was just that whole backstory. I thought it was it was just masterful storytelling to kind of weave them into the fabric of what kind of drove ultimately what became the annihilation of the 12 colonies and what led to a lot of, you know, they, mm. they, they, they were both the reason war stopped, but they were also the reason the annihilation happened. Yeah. And, and it was very interesting to kind of, to, to see how they impacted that society, both in the positive and in the negative and how it led to the, the very events that were playing out. And, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, so I, I just, I, I just thought that was a really nice piece of storytelling that the writers did there. And, and, and it was really something that I wasn't expecting, you know, that, that I didn't feel they needed to answer, but they did. Excellent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That was, and I think that they did a really good job of doing that in terms of like, Hey, what can we, what can we kind of pay off here? What do we have possibilities for? And, and to do it in a way that like, Hey, we don't have to take an entire episode and talk about this. Like, this connects to this, this connects to this, and boom, 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 and hey, cool. This is something that, that actually like smooths out our story, and, and fans will be like, oh, hey, great. But it doesn't cost us a ton of time in terms of, oh, we need to do flashbacks and this and that and the other. Nope. A couple people talking, done. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. You know? And it furthers the story. It, it boots the story further down the line, you know, which is always important. Uh, my next one is, and uh, again, this is a... Uh, Actually, wait a minute. I've gone this entire time without mentioning Starbuck. I ought to get some sort of a, a medal for making it through almost an hour of a podcast about Battlestar Galactica and not mentioning Starbuck once. I should get some sort of credit for that, but I won't. Good Lord. Anyways, I know. So, yeah, my, my presidency of the Katie Sackhoff fan club has been revoked. Yep. Uh, but that's all right. I just sent a tweet her way, so you're you're, oh. you're getting you're getting Why? Aren't you Johnny on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Anyways, uh, so uh, 
just the, just the uh, the the moment when when Starbuck and the pianist, who I actually found out uh, the name of that character is Slick, or how they refer to that character is Slick, uh, slowly working into all along the watchtower at the end of someone to watch over me. Oh, interesting. And just that idea that the the song that Kara used to play as a kid and the the stars that Hera has been drawing are musical notes and they all kind of come together into this thing that's also the song that that kind of booted up all the the final five Cylons and tying all that together and bringing that musical aspect back because that was such a huge part of like the end of season three yeah yeah and to bring that back in such a powerful way I thought was awesome and I just I also love just the entire story of Starbuck with this you know mysterious piano player who is is her dad is a younger version of her dad and yeah. her having that those moments with him i just thought it was really great like there was just something about that entire those interactions that i just really appreciated yeah that added added a lot of depth to her character but also it and this occurred to me as i was picking out this moment there was a reference i don't know if it was in this episode or if it was a previous episode where one of the Sharons is is dying in sickbay and asked to speak with Ty mm-hmm. because she wants to meet like one of her makers before she dies. And she quotes, you know, because Ty is talking about, I've spent most of my life trying to kill your kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your kind, our kind, was really what he could have said. And she says, so much confusion and dies. Yeah. And I kind of missed that on my previous watches or it didn't stand out enough to me to remember. And I was like, oh, hey, another little nod. And I'm sure there's probably about a half dozen others that I've I've missed. But yeah. to me, those two, bringing that back in. And then, uh, you know, in Daybreak, there's actually a, there's more reference to that and being able to kind of tie that all together. I thought it was really great. Which uh, which I, was, which I have some questions prepared for when we talk about Daybreak for you as far as what, what your thoughts are on some of those uh, references. Have you watched ahead, sir? Uh... That's a yes. Okay. I plead the fifth. That's, yeah, okay. All right, fine. All right, so what's yours, sir? What's your next one? Uh, my number four is, uh, and you've already, you know, we've already discussed it, the mutiny. And and I guess I, I, I fall guilty as well of, of slacker um, claiming, I, I don't really claim all of it, but what, I, what I'm particularly claiming here for, for my number four moment is the, the treachery both by Gaeta and by Zarek. The treachery yes. by Gaeta of, as as the mutiny begins to unfold, um, and and I mentioned this to you before the sh- we you know we started recording, that as I'm watching this episode and I'm seeing what Gaeta is doing, where he's basically blocking both Starbuck and Lee from getting to Adama to warn him about what they're seeing and what's going on, because they're st- you know they they see that there are civilians with guns mobilizing. Mm-hmm. And and they're they're experiencing and seeing the shoot you know the shootings that are starting as they start to take over parts of the ship, yeah. And the way Gaeta is just kind of you know smarmy and just kind of blocking Adama from understanding what's going on, intercepting communications, um, setting up this whole faux issue that's going on in one part of the ship where, uh, oh yeah, I the, mean the, all, the... all of it was just it was so frustrating to watch. You know, it was just but like so well planned. Oh, too. Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Masterful. It, it was it was, you, you know, you've written a good show and you've written the characters well when when you can evoke those types of emotions out of the viewer. Yeah. Um, so so that was, you know, Gata's treachery doing that. Oh, and actually one one thing to point out here. Yeah. Did you notice 
and I, I, for whatever reason, I noted this down. That episode, they, they have that preview, you know, the, or kind of the recap of the last episode. Did you realize that Felix got the previously on Battlestar Galactica voiceover at the beginning of that episode? I did not. And there was a little. I mean, he's he's had him before because I mean, I mean, four seasons they go through everybody on the cast. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure like Celix might have gotten one at one point. <laughs> I, just for the sake of variety, they're like, hey, you know, just walking past. Wait, the, wait a know, minute, wait a minute. Set, there, like, there, hey, come here for a second. There, there's one character who didn't though. And who would that be? And and I know because you you don't hear the husky voice. You don't hear Coddle. <laughs> oh, how do they not give Coddle? Like, especially, like, you know what would have been great? Like, previously on Battlestar Galactica. I was going to go the other way. I was going to say the other way and be like, previously on Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Either that or just get midway through. Previously, I don't have time for this crap. That would have been perfect, but uh, <laughs> but no, Felix got the got the previously on Battlestar Galactica nod voiceover, nice. and he had a little extra. You could hear a little smirk in his voice that time. Like, ah. you know what? Here's how they've been fracking with me for a <laughs> long time now, and I'm finally getting mine. You know, that's awesome. That's that's I, what I, it I sounded had not like to me. That. I don't know why, but that I I, I heard that because I knew I'm like okay, this is the mutiny episode, yeah. and I I heard him come over. I'm like, oh, of course they had to, of yeah. course they had to. Yeah. No, that, that anyways, that's that's a very no, that that's a very cool uh, nod, you know, especially given the sequence of episodes where he and you know Zarek are are pulling off this this whole mutiny and so forth. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was Gata's treachery, and then um, for uh, for Zarek's part of it was was the treachery of, of gunning down the quorum. So mm. that was one of those where you know the first time I saw it, I was you know it, it it was shocking, not in the same way that you know it's not like I'm emotionally attached to the characters of the quorum or anything, but but there mm. there is a certain amount of 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 shock you get from seeing. You know this this governing body that has been there for these four seasons, having it disposed the way that Zarek does. It, it, it's it's very, you know, you you start to see Zarek has turned a corner, mm-hmm. or or not even start. You you know he has turned a corner now, and he's going down a very dark path. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this point, he had been, you kind of got the sense he was this reformed character. You know that he was you know doing right by by the colonial fleet and he was serving um politically and then as vice president he accepted when lee took over you know because of of who he is mm-hmm. you know so you you kind of got the sense there was a maturity going on there or there was a, a place he had arrived at where he was a bit more balanced and then when he and gata start in like as soon as this whole you know again one of the consequences of earth not being what they thought it was going to be for them and how it completely starts to disintegrate the the, the very core of who people are. Um, you know, both he and Gaeta just, they cannot accept that the Cylons and the Colonial Fleet are going, or the Rebel Cylons and the Colonial Fleet are going to maintain their alliance. They, they can't yeah. let go of the past. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways you can't blame them. That's the other, that's the other part. Like, dude, these machines wiped out our entire society right like they they committed genocide it was a holocaust and yep. now we're friends with them and everybody's okay with this 
Did I miss something? I mean, even if it is like, okay, it's the rebels of that group, but still, guess, you know, there's, 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 there's machines over there that w- participated in this. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's, I can kind of see there being a little bit of friction there. And that's, I, again, that, that adds an extra yeah. level of realism to it. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I do understand it to a point, but yeah. there is also a point where, you know, Gata starts to visibly question Adama. Oh, yeah. And, and, mean, yeah. And, and you start to have those moments where he starts to challenge the authority he once v- respected and followed. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is even though he claims – you know, he starts to, you know, kind of follow Zarek's thought process in terms of, you know, Rosalind and Adama kind of ru- ruling with an iron fist or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's the reality of the situation going on around them. Mm-hmm. And, and and the fact that there are these these difficult decisions they have to make just to keep going forward. And and it's the lack of acceptance of understanding that that conditions are changing. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I do understand on the one hand why people would not be trusting of this, but they just together found their way to a world they thought was going to be their home. And they did that yeah. together. Yeah. You know, and, I think, and you think that would build a little bit of trust? Not fully, but a little. But what I see them doing is just falling right back onto the old ways of how can we, you know, allow them onto the ship? How can we, you know, when Terrell makes these recommendations of, using Cylon technology in, in, in an attempt to help them. Mm-hmm. I understand the distrust, but at the same time, what other options do you have on the table? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that also goes into just the just the fact that these people are frustrated. They're tired. They're pissed off. Yeah. They're, 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 they're worn out. They're worn out. They're hopeless, you know, at this point. Like, they've just, their one hope turned into a burnt-out cinder. Yep. You know? Yep. Oh, my gosh. And, it, and it's like... Different people react to that different different ways. Some are going to be just give up. Others are just going to be pissed off. And you know, as as Alfred would say, some men just won't. I can't do it anyways. I'll I'll cut in the the bit so that you can actually hear Mike, Michael Caine. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Uh, talk about it, <laughs> but that's that's the only thing I can do is I can say Michael Caine like a bad Michael Caine impersonation. So, that sounds that's like it. a damn monster movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the way it's gonna be. Oh, um, uh, so that that was my number four. Where where were those those moments from from the mutiny with with you, both Gata and Zarek? That is their moment of commitment to this. That is the moment where there is no going back for either one of them. Now, here's a question for you, and this is something I didn't really think about until I watched this again. Yeah. Did you notice that, I mean, so the first time we're introduced to Zarek, he's kind of that man of conviction, mm-hmm. and, and he's, he is, the, he is that, the, the falsely, or not falsely, but he was the imprisoned person who, you know, was a, was a, a man of principle, and, and if, even if you didn't agree with his methods or anything, you had to agree with the fact that he was a man of principle, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know. But then... You get into the whole thing that happened with the circle, you know, and the the, the, the secret tribunals where they're just airlocking sympathizers and, and stuff right. like that. And that was authorized by Zarek so that and his his rationale was, well, so you'd have a clean slate. Yeah. And even in this, he's talking about, well, Gaeta, this is what you wanted. This yeah. is what you and it's almost like he's gone from being a man of principle to I'm going to hide. Be, I'm going to hide what I actually want to do behind well 
this is what you wanted me to do. Right. This is what you wanted, isn't it? Right. So I get to do my stuff, but I'm not going to accept the blame anymore. And to me, that's almost that to me was the great part about when he actually when when Adama got Zarek to tell him where the Tilium refinery was Mm -hmm. by completely BSing him about all of the stuff. He's like, we have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. You know, I've got you for doing this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And this is why I'm like, I'm not sitting down at a poker table with Eddie Almost because I don't <laughs> care if he is Bill Adama or not. Damn, he had me. Like, I've oh, been, yeah. Edward James, actually, no, Mr. Almost would bluff my pants off. It would, be, like, I would be, I would, I wouldn't have a house anymore. I wouldn't have a car anymore. <laughs> I would probably be in debt for the rest of my life. <laughs> Good sweet Lord. Yep. I mean, but just gets him with, like, laundry reports. Oh, yeah. he knows him. He knows where, where this character is at this point yeah. in his life. Right. And, man, he is hiding behind everything to get what he wants but he's not principled enough to stand up and say no this is what i want to do now right right. did you notice that i thought that was weird to see that character brought low in that way yeah you know yeah no i agree i agree so my next point is uh and i'm actually going to audible on this one i'm going to go off of our outline because we already kind of talked about this a little i know it's shocking dude dude, you're going to hyperventilate over there do i need to do I need to call your wife and have her bring a bag down for you, like a paper bag or something? Shut up, Wesley. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Just wanted to make sure. Oh, thank so, you. I appreciate uh, it. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change up on this one because uh, we actually, we had a couple in common because there were some very common points here. But I'm gonna go to one of my honorable mentions. So one of the moments for me was, I, and I think it was the beginning of one of the episodes where Rosalind was running through the hallways. And we kind of get a bit of a callback to, of course, I mean Starbuck kind of starting off in the miniseries doing that but mm-hmm. but Rosalind's running and, and almost gets like kind of this music that gets you thinking like oh my gosh she's like kind of losing it yeah. just the, the type of music makes it feel like she's kind of almost hallucinating like this runner's high that day on I was going somewhere I was running yeah sort of thing and uh it basically comes up on uh Adama who has gotten the call that like hey uh uh commander or admiral uh whatever uh you're your fian- your your love interest slash president of the colonies is jogging yeah. around Galactica when she should be at her uh, at her cancer treatments. Yes. Oh. Here, let me go let me go brush the the, the hard liquor off of my teeth and go find her. And, <laughs> and so he does. And we then understand that she is basically giving up. She is not gonna do any more treatments yeah. and she is accepting her fate. Yeah. Uh, as as someone who is who is dealing with cancer and and at that point of is this really going to prolong my life in any meaningful way she has made her peace of, of this is where this is what's going to happen yeah and again it, it becomes one of those pivot points because it really again this the second half of the season focuses so much on on adamo losing his two ladies yeah and this is the point where it becomes official. I mean, we kind of already got it in the in the in the first epi- in in um in the in the first episode of this half of the season. And she is sitting on the floor, burning page by page, very meticulously, mm-hmm. the prophet the prophecy of Pythia, and waving him away. Yeah. And and will not hear anything he has to say. And this is really kind of just like yes, no doubt. Uh, I ain't doing that no more. And this is what's going to happen. And I am not going to be around. And I'm not going to fight. 
I'm done fighting. Um, and again, this is one of those moments of like everyone deals with this, with this in a different way. And this is her way. Not necessarily a, I'm going to airlock myself. I'm going to put a gun to my head. I'm going to cause a res- revolution. I'm just, in, in some ways, it's kind of, I am not swimming actively downstream. Yeah. But I'm not trying to get to the other side anymore. Yeah. And man, it's hard to watch because then again, and then she kisses him and, and there is kind of that playfulness, but then she's like, and out of my way. And then she keeps running. Yep. Yeah. Man. I, well, and, and I, uh, doesn't she make a statement too? I can't remember what it is, but it kind of leads to like, oh, like, do you like, mean, like at the end of the episode when, when Adama and her ha- have a moment, <laughs> let's say, mm-hmm. uh, in his quarters, that that kind of was a payoff in some ways to something I thought she said to him when she stopped in the hallway about having those moments, you know, like like living those moments or something. Well, like yeah, that. she she kind of had this point where she she says, "Haven't I, haven't I earned? Yes, the right to live. Yes, my life. That's it. Yes." And oh, it kind of hits you because you're like, really, she didn't ask to be president, right? She hell, she didn't even want to be in politics. Yeah. You know, she was she got into politics because of Adar and because she was having a relationship with Adar. Right. You know, right. and and all of this and 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 became the president and and has just kind of done this job. Yeah. And man, yeah, it, it kind of hits that point where we all. I mean, and that's something that I don't. I, I would think that we could all kind of identify with where we've hit certain points where, like, you know what? Yeah, I know that the selfless thing would be this and that and the other, but right whether it's an afternoon of just quiet by yourself or deciding to pursue, you know, this dream that you have or whatever, mm-hmm. where you're like, have I, have I earned this? Have I, have I earned the chance to, to do this, right. to, to, to pursue this or whatever, man. I mean, again, this is a whole other scale, um, but yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, and I, I love that part in the scene where you know he's like, "Oh, Tilium ships back," or, and she's like, "Do you care?" Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I I really yeah. did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, that was anyways, good. I that was I good. thought that was it was great because it really does it really just does pivot her character to this whole other place. I mean, really, and, when you think about it, right? She really stops becoming the true like effective leader president. Pretty much right after, I mean, in that first episode of, of, of this back half of the season. She really doesn't do um, anything. Ish. Until, I mean, until like the whole mutiny thing. And then she kind of is a little bit more present. But at that point, it really does start getting more into. But then she defers to Lee. Well, yes. You know, I mean, like, they're, like they're, she, she, yeah. she says she'll be there, but it's really more as a figurehead and that he is really going to do the job. Yeah, and then I mean, and then it's a close leap to like daybreak, and at that point, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was pre- again, he's present for all of like five minutes, right. and there was there was a great moment. I oh, I wish I remember. Actually, was it? It wasn't uh, the mutiny episode. It was the episode before that. I think it might have been um, episode two, mm-hmm. where where uh, Zarek is like talking to Lee and he's like, I don't, what is your job this week? I can't remember. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man. Oh, like I burn. wonder, I wonder if Richard Hatch kind of was like, 
hey guys, I got something I want to throw in here. Oh, I got it. Yeah. I got a little something in my spleen that I want to vent, but I think it would also work really well. Almost like, a, almost like how Mick Foley used to talk about, like how he would hang on to like slights and hurts and hope that he could he could gin up some real emotion for an angle. Yeah. Like I imagine Richard Hatch is like, you know what? I got something to say here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, this something has been bothering me a little bit about this whole thing, and I think I can get it out right here. I got an itch I need to scratch. Yes. Oh my gosh! It was great because at the same time, then then some fans are like, "Yeah, me too." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of curious exactly what the f is happening with Lee this week as well because he's the only character who's allowed to do pretty much whatever he wants. Right. You right. know, in a time when it's like we need pilots, like you know, like like yesterday. Oh yeah, Lee. Yeah, go go off and be a quorum member. <laughs> like that would happen. <laughs> really, really. Okay, that's like saying, oh, well, Starbucks, like, well, I don't want to be a viral anymore. I want to start a knitting club. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Why not? Have you know, fun. But Hot Dog, you're out in the cap for the next three months straight. That's Take <laughs> some stems and deal with it. <laughs> and what's he going to do? Because uh, he's actually in the real life position of like, okay, that is my dad. Yeah. Crap, I have to. I got to do Anyways. It. Oh, uh, and stuff. actually, Bodie, Bodie actually gets a lot of, like, he gets a lot of screen time in this in the second half of the fourth season, oh, which yeah. is good. Yeah, he does. And, of, of course, he becomes, we realize it. oh, by the way, him and Callie had a bit of a dalliance. <laughs> Never, I, when I first saw this, I was like, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, yeah. that's interesting. What did those two see in each other aside from, like, I'm guessing there was a lot of uh, ambrosia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's getting way off topic. So, uh, so what's your last point, sir? Uh, my my last moment was was Tyrrell finding that Galactica is is structurally breaking mm. down when, yeah. you know, at the end of the mutiny when he pulls whatever the component he needed to pull to to disable yeah. the FTL and basically sink any hope that Zarek and Gata had of of pulling this off um, as they were getting ready to jump. Um, which was which was such a great like it's one of those stupid science fiction things like yeah. Air doesn't take up that much space, and yet every single spaceship has these big old air vents that like human beings can crawl through, mm-hmm. which makes no sense whatsoever. At least they had the decency to not necessarily make it an air vent, but it's like a causeway kind of like duct yeah. work like for working and stuff. Yep. At least they tried to do that. Yep. I'll give them that. Yeah. But you remember that one moment when he came out of the ducting, and there's the dude... I forget what his character, what the character was. Oh, but I have his. I, I wrote his name down. It was. Um, it was like the brig rat was what they referred to him as. Uh, Kelly. Yes. Kelly. Yep. And and they start having those. They kind of have that moment, almost like you're going to shoot me anyways. Let's have one laugh. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of thing. Oh like, yeah. Get up, chief. Nah, I'm good down here. <laughs> yes. Kind of thing. Yes. Oh, that was fantastic. Anyways, go on. Go on with your thing. No, no. It, it was it was just that that moment of realization where you start to you know again, like I mentioned, there there's this theme of everything is breaking down and and mm-hmm. Galactica having structural issues where you know to a point where it can't you know potentially do another several FTL jumps the way they have been is really now putting you know a limiting factor on what they can do and yeah um and so it it was just it was interesting to kind of see that now get thrown into it and you know a question that i that i'm looking forward to chatting with you about when we you know when we do the finale here is you know really about the the direction the writers take the story in season four across the board really kind of steers things in in a in a very you know conclusive direction and it seems like 
like I like I don't know if the writers came to this conclusion or, or or what, but it seemed like they didn't really see the need to continue to drag the journey out beyond the four seasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they explored a lot in terms of the relationships of the characters over the first three. There was a lot done around the politics and around the fleet itself and, and you know, running from the Cylons and so forth. Season four really kind of brings everything together and, and seems to do it in a very logical way, you know, and, and yeah. in a very real way. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, the ship has been put through quite a bit, you know. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, and between, you know, ju- you know, between the Adama maneuver and, and a lot of the other things that, that, that they've been doing as they've been evading and dealing with the Cylons, the, that the, the ship is now itself starting to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, makes a lot of sense, and 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 it brings and but it's like it's this confluence of all of these events coming together the 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 disappointment of Earth the um, the mutiny the fact the ship is falling apart now and and you know and then later we haven't even gotten to the fact that you know and now the last hope for the Cylons and humans of, of Hera and what she represents being yeah. taken from them this confluence of events of, of all these things, you know, kind of coming together at this moment is leaving the, the, the characters in a very limited sort of space in terms of what they can do. And, and some of that is mm-hmm. what leads to the, the, the need to, you know, and, and Adama struggles with this, right? Adama struggles with the idea of the Cylons coming on board, the Cylons applying their technology to the ship, to repairing the ship, but it all has to come together if they're going to continue forward. And so you have to come to that place of acceptance of, of of what the situation is. Yeah. I mean, even to the point of, which I thought was, it was so great because Adama at first is like, you know, all human crew. Yeah. Yeah. Which to, to repair, make the repairs, which I'm, I I was like, you do realize you're saying I want an all human crew to the Cylon that you put in charge. Right. (laughs) Yes. And I, 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 I'd like to think that 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 Adama is self-aware enough to know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but which was also great when he when he asked Chief to be Chief again, which was so great. Oh yeah. He was like, you, you know, I'm a Cylon. He's like, yeah. So's my XO. Yep. Which I was like, that that was such an Adama way to do it. Where like, I'm not going to try and like fawn over you here. Yeah. Let's just acknowledge this and move on. Well, and, which and, is fantastic. Like Adama is basically a more gregarious Bill Belichick when you get down to it. Yes, I think that's maybe yeah. that's no, just that's the new that's a fair way of putting. It. I mean, but but what you just said there brings up a really interesting point and and, and something I don't, I don't think I articulated the right way is it is interesting though how the final five and the fact that they've been present for so long in the fleet and part of mm. these humans' lives are kind of a proof point of it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, you know, like, like, and and you just said it when he said to Tyrol that his XO is a Cylon. There's an acceptance of what that reality is now, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 finding, you know, that peace with, you know, I, I I don't like these beings, but maybe not all of them are evil, you know, and and not all of them mm-hmm. are are necessarily about destroying us, you know. When when you hear the backstory of the final five, they were trying to do right by humans and machines. They were trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And it got perverted into something that it was not intended to be by one of their creation, which we later yeah. find out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh. So I, I, I just feel like, uh, 
you know, it, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it just it, it was just yet another event of okay, this this forces these characters in the in the fleet to go in a particular direction, and and if they don't, then they're not going to survive. Yeah, and then of course the other part of this that I didn't even. I, again, I might not have even caught this before, but the idea that, of course, then they put they put Sam into the into the the Cylon hot tub, and uh, he's now a a surrogate sort of hybrid thing, and a hybrid hybrid, if you will. So <laughs> what you did there? Uh, who even knows what that is at that point? But the idea that this goop, the Cylon repair goop that they've been putting on. Because, of course, they have all those structural beams that are, like, actually just busted. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, hey, I can fix those. But the problem is you've got all these stress fractures within the actual beams. So we can put this Cylon goop on it, and it melds in there, and it'll actually fix it, and it'll become strong. Well, it's conductive, and now Sam is now networking the ship. Yeah. It's a fundamental change. Like it's it's like it, Galactica isn't going to be Galactica anymore. Right. And right. this idea of again, Adama is losing his ship because that was right in the miniseries. Like there are no network computers and every time even when they finally did network the computers, the only reason they were able to do that is cuz Adama was unconscious. Right. <laughs> That's the only time it ever happened and now Sam has access to the entire ship because there's this stuff running through all of the all of the beams and those connect to the wiring and so now of course he has the ship yeah oh man yeah again it, it, that is again it, it ties into the the whole losing two ladies yep absolutely so, absolutely so let's move on to uh top three characters and i'll i'll let you go first on this one so my my top three were were rosalind um felix gata and um mm-hmm. i kind of lumped together tyrell and boomer and yeah so oh. so with rosalind um I, I put her because of of, of the fe- and we've talked about this already. She she represents the acceptance of where she is. Mm-hmm. She's done fighting the cancer. She's done, you know, caring about. I don't even say she doesn't care, but but she's she's letting go of of the presidency and the power. Um, she's realizing through the disappointment of Earth that. Mm-hmm she just doesn't have the control. And so she's just going to now focus on living out her days mm. as best she can, given what she has. And, and, and I just thought that was a very poignant thing to do with that character, you know, to, yeah. uh, to, to have her like, like we already talked about, make that statement to Adama that, you know, haven't I earned this, mm. you know, I mean, yes, she needed to be there. And yes, had she been there would the mutiny have happened the way that it had probably not. But the fact is, you know her 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 role in all of this she didn't know what to make of it because she thought they were following the path they should have followed and when they got to the end goal it wasn't what they thought it was going to be yeah which is kind of interesting because i mean she does lead them to earth yeah in in, in an indirect way she ends she, up still fulfilling what the prophecy was but just not in the way that she expected to yeah and 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 isn't that true of life like sometimes things don't happen the way we think they should happen, but we somehow get in some ways to the end goal that we may have started on just -hmm. through a different means. And, and so, yeah, so, so I, you know, so that's where that character resonated for me. Felix Gata, we talked a bit about Um, one thing I want to give a a little shout out to is, is, is the, the makeup and, and, you know, just, just the crew that, that, that gets these people prepared. Felix Gata looked like a sickly child, through most, oh, of, yeah. through most of this. And and the other thing is, like, they didn't make him look smooth 
with a with a fake leg, with a yes. prosthetic leg. Yep. It was it was awkward. It was someone who is still not used to yep. walking that way. And and that actually that probably goes more to his to uh, oh my gosh, Alessandro. I'm blanking on his last name. Uh, I'm so sorry because he was fantastic. Alessandro Again. Giuliani. Oh, he was fantastic. And oh, was, yeah. it, a lot of that is his performance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Totally. Uh, makeup did such a great job of making him look just bad, just not well he, 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 whatsoever. He just doesn't look like Gata anymore. You know, like oh. after he has the amputation in the first half of season four, he never looks the same again. You know, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't look healthy. He doesn't look like the Felix Gata of the past seasons. And, and that's yeah. that's a good th- I, I mean, it's a good thing because he isn't anymore. And no. and I feel like no. I, I, I wrote a note down here. I think it was in the which one is it? Uh, oh, Blood on the Scales, um, that episode. Um you know, like in a lot of ways, the suffering he's going through with his leg is kind of like a metaphor for what we've been talking about. When you can't let things go from mm. the past, that itch that he yeah. kept having in his leg. And oh, then finally, when he sat there in front of the firing squad and it went away. Yeah. And it was right after aim. Yes. Like milliseconds before fire. And he's just like, it stopped. Oh, and, and, you know, it's like that moment of peace when you finally come to accept who you are and what you are. Yeah. And, and so I, I just really thought, you know, there, there's a lot that happens in the second half of the season. It's so hard to just come up with three, but I just felt like his character being kind of an anchor point for those three episodes about the mutiny. Um, just fantastic, fantastic yeah. acting, fantastic makeup work i mean just just his character is just one you you can't ignore i mean they they gave he had a send-off and it was and he went out in a blaze of glory so <laughs> well actually i would say his send-off was that conversation he had with uh with baltar before yes. the execution oh yeah yeah which again was such oh man both of them were great in that i mean I, yeah I, okay everyone was great in this in this i can't think of one person who sucked no no. at all who had a major role you know and even the minor characters i thought were good yeah but man uh callus and and alessandro just killed it in that scene oh yeah and the way that the way that like you can you can read because baltar doesn't have that many lines in that no scene no he doesn't it's basically gata just talking to him yep and the way that callus played that and just the emotion you can tell where he wants to say something and he, tr- and he starts to and gata won't let him yeah damn so yep rough rough and then the last one with tyrell and boomer was just that episode with the two of them how boomer plays tyrell like a well since present company is here like a saxophone yeah (laughs) (laughs) um like 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 duke silver there you go there you go that that for all you parks and recs fans out there that's right um yeah, just just the the fact that she plays with his emotions, he's, you know, and, and it's and it's interesting. He he seems very stable for a few episodes, and then with Boomer, he's just like trying to get back to, like realizing now that who he was with was a Cylon, and and it was with mm-hmm. someone who was of his nature. It's like he's trying to go back to that. Yeah, and and oh. and that projection of them in this house with their daughter, and the way that that just messes with him. Yeah, because. Um, I mean, and Tyrrell is such a tragic figure in yeah. in some ways because 
just struggling with kind of who he is mm-hmm. and 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 the rage that is in him. Yeah. And seeing him just that happy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I oh. And then <laughs> just and knowing like, what's coming later well, is like, no, chief, no. And then don't go into the light. Well, and don't go into the light. And the horror that like like what's what's the actor's name? I got Aaron Douglas. Aaron the, Douglas. The way he plays Tyrrell <sighs> when he realizes what has happened with Hera. Just the horror on his face when he realizes the role he played in all of that. Um, has has anybody in incredible. this show been as good in anything else as they are in this show? I mean, they this cast it, it's it's almost like I I look at this show as like a perfect little little time capsule of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. The, the the writing the directing yep. the just the entire like the, the the kind of Ron Moore as the mastermind behind all of it all of it coming together with the actors and the performances and mm-hmm. damn yep. everyone was just fantastic Aaron Douglas I mean because again like he was like the character that I was like this is the guy from the first half of the season but uh, again you're talking about him now I'm like oh that's right we yeah. didn't even talk about Tyrrell and Boomer in any of this that's how much stuff was going on too you know yeah oh. i mean it's and, and that's what's hard about doing these is there there's just and grace park there's so as, much as like we, we could talk as, about as ma- a, a, playing like as boomer as a as a different cylon from athena yeah yeah because i mean in a way there there are a lot of similarities i think there's a lot more similarities between boomer and athena mm-hmm. than there is between like caprica and some of the other six models and 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 some of the other people who have had to play different versions of themselves those two i think are probably the two most prominent yeah damn grace park was amazing oh yeah and especially i mean and you, had, you you i think you threw it into one of your you know <laughs> moments. oh the honorable whole... mention of boomer Hilo. now i just gotta say now, for a moment the the bathroom floor really <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. So I was listening to I was listening to the the commentary, Ron Moore's podcast commentary, because yeah. this is again, this is the reason why. Lazy, all right, uh, so kids, come a little closer. Come a little closer. Oh, to your computer. Here we go. Un- <laughs> Uncle Todd's got a oh, thing to share with you here. So, you know, back in the day, when you could only see a movie in theaters or you got it on VHS cassette. You didn't get all this insight that you get now on your fancy interwebs and all this stuff. Then when we got ourselves, well, Laserdisc was just dumb and way too expensive, and only rich people had that. So then when you got to DVD, that's when things really kicked into high gear, because then we started getting these things called director's commentaries. And that was flipping amazing for people like me who are just like documentary geeks and nerds who love this behind-the-scenes uh, behind minutia. Well, then that kicked into another gear with Battlestar Galactica because then you had Ron Moore recording podcast commentaries that you could then play back while you were watching the episode in rerun. <laughs> like a week later, he would I, I think it was released like pretty close to when the new episode would release. He would release the podcast commentary so you could follow along almost in like not real time, but damn close yeah. to real time. Yeah. So Ron Moore recorded. So th- let me and when you get the DVDs, you get that podcast commentary. So so kids, uh, take a little advice from your uncle Todd. This whole streaming thing is all cute and stuff, but when that crap goes away and your internet connection's down, 
those DVDs start looking real friendly. <laughs> and they're the ones that have all the special features and stuff on them that not isn't on Netflix and all these and, and the sci-fi app and all that. I'm going to guess that they don't have the the director's commentaries on the sci-fi app and all that. No, I'm, no, I'm no, just, no, no, no. No, they yeah. don't. So you get deleted scenes, you get your, your commentaries mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So so a little advice from Uncle Todd, invest in the DVDs. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you'll have them for a little bit longer. All right. Anyways, so in the in the in the commentary, uh, when because uh, uh, I think it was Michael Mankin, and I only remember that because I think I was watching it yesterday or no, I was watching it yesterday, and so he, Ron Moore was talking about how he was one of the he was a writer and director on the series, and he had a big influence on it. And one of his notes on that script was originally they didn't have Boomer and and Hilo, you know getting down and it was just like a quick little kiss and then it was off Mm -hmm. and and michael and and the director was like i can't believe that you didn't have them you know get down i'm not going to use the word because it's a family show (laughs) even though we're talking about like a robot trying to seduce someone else anyways so but and and ron moore was like i was ashamed to say that i i wasn't the first one to make that comment (laughs) he's like we should do this like they should do this and this and this and and it would be horrible and it'd be it'd be so much further the character and ron moore's like i'm so mad that i didn't come up with that note first yeah so that wasn't originally in the script oh interesting they like the director was like hey they ought to do this we ought to take this further Oh, that's so freaking horrible. And and again, and so many layers to this that, that we're talking about this in the honorable mention section. Yes. We, well, you know? I, I put honorable or not. <laughs> but well, yeah. But but I, I mean, and just for listeners to get the scene, you know, Hilo thinking Boomer is Athena, his wife. Yes. Oh. Is is looking to you know, get a little randy uh, because she's she's about to. They're copies. Yes, there are, and she she's about to take off on on a mission, and so um, he wanted to give her a little farewell. Mm. What he doesn't realize is his wife is you know half unconscious in a bathroom stall, and so you know beaten to a pulp yes. by by Boomer, and yes. so they engage in said activities, and uh, with with her engage. being able to see it, so it was just it, oh. it was it was a very disturbing, very disturbing Horrific. scene. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. but it, but like you said, I think it just kind of, you know, I think what's interesting with these characters, with the Cylons, especially is the ones that I think evolve and get to a place where they're a bit more human, you know, in terms of their thinking than they were when they started out are the ones who go through a lot of, uh, just a lot of challenge and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of adversity. And Athena is a product of that. You know, she had to yeah. earn her trust with Adama. She had to earn her freedom and her ability to serve in the fleet again. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, I'm getting a little of a head because we haven't gotten to the series finale yet, but I think we're not quite done with Boomer. You know, Bo- Boomer has a moment, you know, mm. later on. And, oh. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, again, it, it people make mistakes and people can learn from those mistakes. And uh, this was a big one. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, well, and it goes. And, and again, one of the things I noted down was uh, in that um, in that same episode, Caprica six shows up at, at, you know, Baltar's love nest slash love chapel slash, you know, cathedral of, you know, cult cathedral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 he goes up and is talking to her and you start to realize that Caprica is the machine, yet she's the one who's had the most change. Yes. Baltar is, I mean, even though, you know, yeah, hey, the hair is different. And, oh, hey, I'm not 
this way anymore and that. Right. He's not really that different on a on a on a basic level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he he really isn't that different. He's he's different shades of different whereas Caprica has changed in a very drastic way as and Baltar is kind of just sort of like rolled with the punches and you know, tried to survive. Right, right. It's the same sort of thing. Like you, you see those differences in like Athena. Like she has a fundamental change. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with you know, it, and the irony that like, hey, the machines are changing and the people aren't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So those Which, those were my three. What are your three? Uh oh yeah, I was actually going to go on to three episodes. I didn't even realize I didn't do my three. Hey. So uh, my three would be Ellen Ty, who again, uh, good lord, there's so much going on. We still haven't mentioned Ellen, which is unconscionable uh and starbuck uh, because <laughs> i'm making the list and uh then galactica which i i really feel like galactica became a front and center character like main character of of course because of all of the issues but it really as as one of adama's ladies was really a character unto itself in this portion in this portion of the of the series a season and then of course launching into the the finale where it really just be does become this this uh, it becomes a character uh, on the on the same scale of any of the other main leads in this in this show uh ellen ty of course because i mean good lord uh, i mean uh, does anyone else cause as much trouble as ellen i mean good lord no. she's back on on galactica for like five milliseconds and already she's got the pot stirred up to like a boil and there's poo flying all over well, the kitchen <laughs> it's amazing well she, like this woman is like chaos incarnate but 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 i think what's different this time around is she it's not like she comes back looking you know, oh no! See, I think she does. Well, I watched well, it again, well, and I'm well, like, wait, I think she's still minute. looking for trouble. Wait a minute. Okay, okay. Wait I'm sorry. Minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have strong feelings. Ty, Ty does not tell her about six. He does not tell her about the baby. He doesn't well, yes. tell her a lot of things, and yeah. she comes back thinking he is on his own without her. You know, like she comes into the ship. Not. It's very different from season two when we meet her. You know what I mean? When she comes in in season two, she is looking for a party. She's looking to get drunk. She's looking to get it on with other people. I mean, it's just she's mm-hmm. she's the raging Ellen Ty that, you know, Saul well, has come to know and love. In in all in all fairness, she is looking for a drink. Her and Saul like get busy in the in the whatever mm-hmm. conference room. So I mean, she kind of is doing the same thing. But but. She like has she's a different feel to her, though, when she when like she feels well, like yeah. she's more coming in as a mom, you know, like she's coming well, to see her children. Yeah, she's coming to reunite with her husband. You know, yeah. there there's a purpose to what she's doing. And when she starts to unravel, it's when she starts finding out that Saul has done, you know, Saul has a moment with her, like you said, in the conference room and conveniently doesn't tell her any of this. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, he, he's just he's. I mean, I and I get it. He's so happy to see her, and he wants yeah. to go back to that. But he completely yeah. negates anything that happened before with Six or anything like that, and doesn't tell her until well after the fact. And that's where I feel that's where everything starts unraveling. Because well, but in all fairness, Ellen fracked half of the colonial fleet Fair while enough. they've been together. And granted, I mean, Fair you enough. know, she didn't know that uh, the history and all that and, and all that stuff. But it's like. Ty seems like he's been fairly faithful to her, mm-hmm. and she's been here, there, and everywhere. And it's like, and now she's like, 
you did what? He's like, I thought you were dead for crying out loud. Like, you knew I wasn't dead, and you were out there gallivanting with anybody with a pulse. Right, right. I mean, (laughs) in some ways, the roles are reversed for them, right? Oh, totally. she's, She's coming, and, you know, again, not that he's, running around like a, a a cat or anything like that but it's just mm. it's just it, it what, what was kind of humorous to me for for that episode was the role reversal but also the fact that he's you know he's just kind of being this dumb guy who's not just being honest with, with her about oh, the situation yeah. you know well it's so messed up it's it in is. some ways it's like i i can understand like Saul just being like i'm not really even sure my vocabulary can cover this <laughs> like how do you explain this right and 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 mm. when she comes on the ship she's like i said she seems very in control very stable oh, yeah. very with with it however well, however she, she's always been good at masking that. when she finds out about six being impregnated by him mm. what unravels her isn't so much the the relationship they're having more than it is the fact that he had been with her for so long and they could not have kids and yet he's yeah. able to father a child with this other with one of their creation. And I think that that I mean, there, there's a number of levels of pain that come with that for her, you know, him being in the relationship with her, so on and so forth. But yeah. but I feel like there, there are those there are those buttons that get pressed for her that cause her to go and unravel back to the the Ellen that's like this tasmanian devil of chaos that seems to just you know swirl around the ship when she's around you know sort of oh yeah so that that's when i feel like we get back to the ellen of old and then of course a lot of what she does you know kind of triggers what happens to six where she has the miscarriage and Mm -hmm. and and you can and you know again it's brilliantly acted but as soon as that starts to happen you can see the regret on her face Yes. You know what I mean? And again, that was different from the Ellen from before. We never saw her ever be regretful for what she did. Well, I I think there was a little bit of that. Uh, that's why I kind of was like, well, same old Ellen, because, again, she's trying to push buttons and she's trying to hurt Ty. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and now, of course, there's collateral damage because Ty was always able to absorb it, you know, yeah. and and it doesn't go as well. Yeah, I, I, I see your point totally, and I, I'm willing to... And I see yours as well, sir. I I, I simply uh, just wanted to point out that uh, in this case, uh, Cy was Cy. I called him Cy again. Gosh, yes, you did. That Ty, uh, I might have instigated a little bit of it. That's all. I don't know instigated, but he was definitely at fault. (laughs) Okay, at fault. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. and so I mean, we talked about Galactica, talked about Ty, uh, Ellen, and uh, and of course Starbuck, of course, with, oh. with tying into this whole you know who am I sort of thing, yes, and and really becomes kind of that question uh, of of and really adds another layer to a character who already kind of was like I don't give a rip, I could live and die and you know whatever, and now it's just this other how do you get further into that, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think. Well, she comes Again. face to face with herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a pretty and, severe and, way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think one of the one of the great, I, I think there's a lot of great performances uh, by Katie Sackhoff in this show. I think some of them are kind of understated, even just in the like uh, I forget what episode it is. Oh shoot, hang hang on, let me go back to my notes here because I did have it written down. Because there was one, uh, so episode two, when they had Dama's morning routine, when he's kind of going through the same thing, and you're like, oh, yeah, here's, here's what Adama's day 
looks like. Then you get into someone to watch over me, uh, where it's, uh, you know, Starbucks is going through the whole, mm-hmm. you know, the mission today is the same as the mission was yesterday. Right. And, and it shows her almost like repeating the same speech, mm-hmm. even as she's like getting ready and doing different things. And you're like, oh, this is just like, it reinforces that whole idea. And it was such a great way to do it from a writing and directing standpoint, but also just her performance of it, just not even... Uh, of just this weariness to it, I thought was great, yeah. um, and just that entire episode. Yeah. So I thought, but of of course, her arc again of of leaving the ambiguous was really made that character such a wild card because when they when Anders is talking in sickbay about how you know oh yeah and the eight models and all of a sudden you're like wait a minute is eight models is five final five wait wait so it's thirteen models now mm-hmm. when all we've always heard is twelve right. Right. And that little ambiguity, even though you later find out, like, oh, yeah, and there was this other one, and Cavill killed it. Yeah. You know, but it gives you that moment where you're like, <gasps> is Starbuck the 13th Cylon, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and it, so you're still left with, like, what the hell? You know, who is she? Yeah. You know, who am I? I thought that was a significant part, and it kind of gets you into that next, that next episode and ultimately to the finale. Yeah. Um, so I thought she was an important character there. Oh, very much uh, so. So who do you got for your uh, what do you got for your top three episodes? Wait, wait, you got one more. I d- well, no, I already talked about Galactica. I think we've kind of oh we've well, uh, you hadn't said it, so I just didn't know if you were going to identify it as one of your top three characters. Well, no, I listed it out at the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of ran them down. Then I then, okay. then we side right. we sidetracked and then we came back. And, ah, yeah, it, the sidetracks, my friend. It's it's been a journey. Oh, it it's has been a journey. Oh, it's been a long one. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to go through mine? Yes, sir. Yes, okay, sir, so my top three episodes uh, for this second, this the second half, the final half of season four. Uh, first, well, final-ish because we're still not at the at the very end. Well, that's true, final-ish. So it's the it's the final four of the final five, sort of. The eight will present the six, and the two will say, oh, no, to the three, and never mind. Um, and, and a train leaves Gary, Indiana, traveling at 85 miles an hour. End of line. And, um, yeah. <laughs> The train line. That's the train line. Um, ah, thank you. There you go. Thank you. Uh, my number one. So the the top episode for me was uh, I I really like the oath mm. with with the uh, with the mutiny happening um, being carried out. I I felt it was just the emotion, the intensity, just was was fantastic. Um, I you know we haven't talked a lot about him, and I'll have a lot to say about him when we talk about the finale. But but Baltar. I, I just have a note here. Leave it to Baltar to provide comedy in the face of mutiny. In this episode, mm. he, he was the moment of levity, uh, I think, in this episode with with his shenanigans. Um, I didn't write down specifically what, but I just there, there were moments in the episode where he just kind of – it was almost kind of like that moment uh, in the beginning of season four, first half of season four, where he has that conversation with the Cylon. You know, like he's just sitting there yeah. shooting the breeze with him about religion and God and everything. And, you know, it's just it was one of those moments where it's like, OK, Baltar is playing comic relief this episode. So but no, just just overall well done. The, you know, I talked about the frustration with Gaeta and what he did. And it was just it was just all all together, I felt was a really, really good episode to introduce the mutiny and, and, and that, you know, that that story arc. Uh, my mm-hmm. second one was sometimes a great notion. Um, that's the one we talked about, which was uh, the episode right after the midseason finale, and I think we've talked about that um, pretty extensively. Yeah. Just the hopelessness there, and the way it was filmed, the story that was being told. You know, Starbuck coming face to face with her corpse and and processing what exactly she is, 
um, dealing with that. I mean, there's just so much covered in this episode. I, I just thought it was a great number two mm. to follow up the oath. Uh, and then the last one I put was Islanded in a Stream of Stars. Um, this 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 journey of Adama's to come to acceptance of Galactica, you know, needing to be decommissioned and, and needing to abandon ship because it just it, it doesn't have anything left. And and I just thought, you know, we already talked about just kind of the emotional nature of it and just the 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 interactions with him and Ty and 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 just the story being told there of of these two old, you know, warriors in some ways coming to acceptance um, uh, and, and, you know, also seeing, um, you know, what what is, you know, becoming of Hera um, and and, you know, how it's becoming, you know, in that episode, you have Hilo coming to Adama as this broken father you know, who, who just wants a raptor to go get his daughter. Oh, and, yeah. you know, having watched this again, and, and yes, I've, I've, I've jumped ahead to the finale a bit, but having watched it again, I really do think that was an underrated scene because I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if, if that interaction with Hilo and Adama struck a chord with Adama as a father. You know, oh, and I think it totally did. In terms of yeah. getting him to a point where they start to do what they do in Daybreak, which I won't get into, but yeah. but that I, I just felt there was just a lot of really strong emotion and 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 just well well done story uh, in that episode. So that would be my number three. So the oath, sometimes a great notion, and islanded in a stream of stars. And yours, sir. Nice. So one thing I want to, uh, and this will tie into a couple of my episodes, but it wasn't. Uh, Michael Mankin. It's Michael Nankin, N-A-N-K-I-N, who is the the director ah. uh, that I was mentioning before. So uh, my top three would be uh, one of them being, uh, and we've talked about this, someone to watch over me. Mm-hmm. The the Starbuck pianist uh, episode, which again, fantastic. I think it was. I actually felt almost like Islanded in a Stream of Stars was a bit of a letdown after that episode, just because of course you have the tie into all on the watchtower and all that but then as i as i thought a little bit more about that episode it really is a perfect setup to the the finale it Mm -hmm. really gives you a little bit of a not a calm yeah but it gives you a nice little stepping stone there because you just can't go bang 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 and just kind of build and build and build you have to have that little yeah little kind of eye of the storm sort of thing set up to get to to daybreak i thought well and um, and and one thing i left out sorry just going back mm-hmm. to island and stream of stars one thing i i did le- leave out is that is the episode where starbuck comes to acceptance of who she is and that yes. only happens based on the episode you're talking about someone to watch over me where she has that mm-hmm. interaction with what was her younger father yes yeah and and oddly enough you know, and so my next episode is uh, also sometimes a great notion, sometimes a great notion, and someone to watch over me. Both directed by Michael Nankin, and also both written by Bradley Thomas and Dave uh, David Weddle. Nice. Who are, who are also uh, perennial writing fixtures mm-hmm. on Battlestar Galactica throughout all the seasons. Really, I think after the miniseries, so that's uh, worthy to note. And uh, that was also both of their last episode because uh, Islanded a Stream of Stars was uh, directed by Edward James Almost. And then uh, once we get into Daybreak, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's uh, Daybreak is, is directed by Michael Reimer and also was written by Ronald D. Moore, all of it. So nice. that was uh, kind of bringing it all the way back to the miniseries, which uh, was great. 
But anyway, uh, so then my third episode was Blood on the Scales, which mm. uh, no surprise there because you you took the first half of the mutiny, I took the second half of the <laughs> mutiny. <laughs> we kind of split the difference yep. there. Yep. So there you have it. And uh, so the first time that we, uh, the first half of season four, we really didn't have much uh, in the way of nits to pick or, or things that could be improved upon. But here I see on our outline, you actually have a few bones to pick here, sir. So why don't you why don't you go in? I, I just have two questions, and, I, and I'm just curious about your, your thoughts on it. Um, one of them that kind of sticks out to me, um, and, and again, the second half of the season was just fantastic. But, but one thing that stands out to me is um, in sometimes a great notion, we see Leoben with Starbuck as she finds her herself, as I said, her corpse, um, and mm-hmm. still strapped into her her old Viper chair, and he runs from her. And I'm hard pressed to think was Leoben in the second half of season four after that, really, until the series finale. I mean, he he really goes from being kind of her spiritual guide to being like completely non-existent. Well, and I have a question. What up with that? Yeah. Of course, I knew that was coming. I, I, I don't even know the tune to What Up With That. I can't remember it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, otherwise, I, I'd sing it for you. What's up with that? Anyways, go ahead. I, I think it's reasonable in that because, because Lee Oban's character has always been like that. I know. I know what's going to happen. I know how things are. I see things that you don't see. And then all of a sudden, he runs up against something he doesn't know what to deal with. Yeah. That's all of his power. Yeah. That's all of his character's like leverage. And now I don't know squat because if you are this and, and that's you and you're here and then I don't know nothing. Right. I, I was I was looking I was I was working with a teacher's edition of the book where the, all the answers are in the back up until now. Now we're way off the map. I have no idea. So to me, I, I guess, granted, I think it's a way that the writers kind of work themselves uh, they might have left that thread hanging, mm-hmm. but I think they did it in a somewhat logical way, according to the character of Leoben. Because I, I just I think back to when they were on um, what was the ship they were on when she was trying to find Earth or find get closer Demetrius the Demetrius when he looks at her and says you know you're an angel shining with the glory of you know whatever um, yeah I, I you know I'm thinking about that Leoben and trying to connect it up to this and thinking to myself you're essentially seeing the reality of what you've been preaching up to this point. You know, mm-hmm. she, she is and, and we'll get into this when we talk about daybreak, but we, you know, we're never really told what she is or how she was brought back. You get the sense in some way, shape or form that she might've been an angel of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. which is very much what Leoben had called her. So it just, it, that's the part that feels kind of inconsistent to me a little bit is it just feels strange that Leoben just disappears. You know, he, he doesn't come back to talk with her, to kind of help her find her way. And and maybe that was on purpose because a lot of where she comes to acceptance of who she is was done on her own. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, it wasn't through his guidance and it wasn't through him, um, you know, pushing her into a, into a certain direction. He, he just, like you said, it's just like he sees this, he doesn't know what to make of it, and he just runs. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, I think it makes sense from a character st- standpoint, but it it also is you can believe something all you want, but then all of a sudden you come it, it's it's nice as an abstract, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you come face to face with it in reality. Mm-hmm. Oh, now it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't counting on this. Like it all seemed 
all peaches and cream when I was, you know, when it's an abstract. Right, right. You know, like, oh, yeah, do this, do that. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, no, do it for real. Uh, yeah. um, uh, oh, uh, well, uh, and that's and that and I think that's a human thing. I think that's an actually a great ex, uh, a great showing of of how the Cylons have tried to in, in a data like way become more and more human. Yeah. And they kind of absorb that whole. Oh, wait, that's real. Oh, I don't like that now. Yeah. Well, and, 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 <laughs> that and, was, and it just seems strange to me that we just don't see him anymore. Well, yeah, he just kind but of I mean, disappears. But but that could have been just due to the fact that there, there was no real story to tell with him at, the, at that point. I mean, he does show up in the series finale. Um, yeah. But, you know, just in the second half, it was just kind of odd to see him go from that guy to just non-existent. And then the second question I had was uh, was Tyrrell. And it was just interesting. You know, we talked about him already. But did you find it odd he just fluctuated from stable to what I call Hulk smash mode? <laughs> you know, a little no. bit. Um, no. Or, no. Or, or do you think that's consistent with, with his character? I think it's kind of consistent with his character. Because, I mean, even in the... Even in the in the miniseries, when when Ty ordered him to seal off the the area that was that was being bre- that they had a hull breach in, I mean he is even though when he's talking to Adama he is barely on the edge of control, like he you can like the intensity that that he has there like he wants to grab someone by the lapels and shake them, yeah, and it's yeah. just it's further and further it's just notched up and more and more and more and more like oh. By the way, my love interest is a Cylon. And now, oh, uh, by the way, I I think everything is going to be better, but now we're going to go further. And and let's turn up some more. And, oh, by the way, now I'm living on New Caprica, and now I'm part of a resistance. And turn that up. And, oh, by the way, now this happens, and this happens, and my wife's died, and this and that. And now, uh, yeah, I mean, that dude is already, you know, kind of swings from one direction to the other. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of now his entire identity is in question. Oh, it makes perfect sense to me. But that could just be that I have some deep psychological (laughs) issues that I have to deal with. (laughs) I don't know. That's not what this show is for. Is to diagnose that, though. That's true. Yeah. But but overall, you know, I mean, we're 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 talking about minuscule nits in in what is by and large a a well well written and well done second half of season four so yes i uh yes. very much enjoyed it and another thing so uh what do you got for another thing this week well i'm gonna go back to the well uh but i'm going back uh, to the well yes. in a very specific way uh mm. this uh basically uh last week i watched uh episode four of disney gallery uh, which is focused on Star Wars: The Mandalorian about the technology oh, that so that was used. So you, you've seen it, yes? Oh yes. Oh, the volume I, I, was no I longer going to be a dial this. that I turn up or down on my radio. <laughs> no, it's a place. It's a it's a wonderful. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I I I, I was so amazed, floored, taken aback. I you use the you know, the adjective, I, I, I don't know. It was just, it was incredible to see what they have come up with in order to now bring to life these otherworldly settings for Star Wars and do it in such a um, visually accurate way, you know, w- without there being a hint of, of fakeness or, or of, of um, 
you know, just of, of seeing, you know, little cosmetic things here and there that you can tell it was kind of put together through the use of the, 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 the video game engine technology and the, and, and the tracking and parallax and all this stuff, the way that they're able now to recreate. I mean, I thought the coolest part of the episode was when they go from, I think it was a scene on that desert planet from, um, I forget the, the episode, but when he's on the speeder bikes, you know, chasing the, uh, this, this assassin or something like that. And they go from that desert scene and flip it into space. Mm. Like, like that, you know, I mean, it was just, oh, yeah. it was incredible. I'm like, that is so cool. And, you know, the fact that they, they can get the, the light, uh, you know, because of, of the fact that they also have, you know, the ceiling of this, of this enclosure is um yeah you know it's 360 degrees yeah it catches all the different lights and shadow and and oh yeah yeah. and 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 just the fact they can recreate that in in and 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 do the tracking and 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 make it all just come together i was just so floored And and i'm thinking to myself my god they they now have landed on the tech that they need to now you know build the you know be able to film all of these different stories kenobi all of these things do them mm-hmm. very accurately, but not have it be like they're traveling all over the world, like Tunisia and stuff to do it. I mean, they can, they just do it on a stage surrounded by these led screens and using this tech and they can just mm-hmm. film whatever they want. Um, so I was just blown away by that. So, you know, it's, it's a kind of the, another thing is, you know, the Disney gallery show again, I, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, so I'm, I'm being a little cheap here by going back to it, but Definitely, definitely, definitely check out the technology episode because it, you know, for me being a guy who works in tech, it was just like, you know, just, uh, a, 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 you know, just such a an amazing view into what they're they're doing now with with tech and and their ability to kind of use. I, I mean, my boys love the fact it was like video game tech too that they're using to kind of recreate. Oh all yeah, this. yeah. Um, it's like, see, Dad, there is a good use for this stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Let me tell you, Shakata boy. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just so neat to see, and, and it was neat to you know, Favreau is one of those guys who I always kind of have swingers stuck in my head with him. Yes, and you know, or he, replacements. Yes, as, and as Danny Bateman. But but he he just hearing him talk about the lighting and the luminosity and the way that he tries to get. Th- I mean, such an intelligence to to the work he's trying to do and and wanting to honor and bring a really realistic a photorealistic view of this stuff to people and and do it in a quality way was yeah. was just such a neat aspect of of him as a person to kind of listen to him talk about you know like like the fact he cares that much about the quality you know he mm. when he ta- in the beginning of the episode he talks about post production and how if you don't get it right you have to really kind of sl- you know slap it together and it doesn't come out the way you really want it to and and just you know the fact that that through his journey doing lion king and some of these other movies led him to where he is now using this yeah. this this sound the, the stage of of leds and 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 using the tech and in, in what they call the volume is just uh, it's just so cool so i i just th- that was my geek out moment for the week and i just had to bring it back in here so yeah going to the well I, again I, my friend I love how he talks about I love how he talks about, you know, the post production, but it's really about the production. Yeah. Like if you don't if you don't get it right there, yeah, you can you can say, Oh yeah, we'll fix it in post. No, you won't. Right. 
Right. It'll always be a compromise there if you don't get it right in the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is the whole reason why I love this idea of the volume is that you're getting it right there. It's in camera to some to 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 a high degree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas like uh, we we swung and and it's to me, uh, they tied it back into like, oh, well, George wanted to do this sort of thing and he never got a chance to. I'm like, okay, fine. I know you're I know you're trying to like. We're not speaking ill of George on a Star Wars project because mm-hmm. that's just it's not going to be done. <laughs> but the idea of this is a reaction to and a lot of how special effects have gone over the past few years have been a result of what George Lucas did in the prequel trilogy where it was like, you know, everything was built to the height of the actors and a little bit higher. And then everything above that was filled in with CGI. And it showed, like yeah. the CGI, you know. And again, one of the things that's great about Galactica is that it. I felt like the CGI actually did ha- hold up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like they did it in an artful way. For whatever reason, like I don't know, it just doesn't feel real in the prequel trilogies. Yeah, it just doesn't. There's no gravity. There's no. There's no weight yeah. to the to everything. Whereas the idea of of like doing it right in camera. You know, then you saw a lot of like, you know, you go to like J.J. Abrams when he did like Star Trek and, and, and stuff like that. There was a lot of miniatures. There's a lot of forced perspective. There's a lot of like, get it, do it in camera. Try and get it all there. Yeah. And then you, you polish it up a little bit, but you're not trying to like create the thing in post-production. Right. And this volume, even though it's a lot of technology, is really focused on like, hey, get it right in camera to start with. Yes. And then you can add a little shine to it later on, mm-hmm. but get it right here yep. and allow yourself to be creative in that moment. And it, and it's one of the reasons why I think that like a, a film director, like a uh, filmmaker like Robert Rodriguez is so wonderful is because the reason why he was able to start making movies is because he planned it all out. Yeah. He had to get everything in camera. He didn't have any other option. He didn't have the money hose to wash away problems with. Right. So right. it's all about like getting it right in the camera or getting it as good as you can. And yeah. then just saying, Hey, that's as good as it can get. Yep. Let's move on. You know, like I love how in it when uh, again to sidetrack completely. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is talking about his first movie, El Mariachi, and he and he's and and he says, you know, I I was worried about this or that looking bad, but then again, I realized if people are noticing that, I've lost them already because mm-hmm. the movie's moving too slowly. So he didn't care about some of the like little things because he's like, if it if people notice that, I've already failed. So I'm just going to blow past it and just try and keep things going yeah uh and that i love how this is going to allow filmmakers to do that but i hope it doesn't necessarily eliminate some of that location and some of that and become this unreal thing i hope it's a way to augment reality and to help i loved how it helped the actors because it wasn't like some dude with a stick like hey here's where the thing is right it's like no i can actually like carl weathers like i can actually see what i'm we're all reacting to the same thing at the same time yeah and 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 i thought that was an interesting point he raised that you know, you don't think about when you look at things like green screen and stuff like that is the fact that, like you said, you know, four people in a tunnel going down this lava river, it's like they have mm. to come up with their own interpretation of how they'd react to it. Whereas in this thing now, we're all reacting to the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, uh, you know, and, and it helps enhance the the overall, you know, show and, and just the way the, the, you know, the characters are all acting and all, and all reacting to it because it doesn't feel 
off you know i mean they're they're all kind mm-hmm. of in sync and and you know kind of going off the same visual so very very yeah. cool stuff very cool stuff yes and you sir well mine for this week is uh i'm gonna go uh, back to the music well as it will uh so i stumbled across uh an amazing singer uh in the past week and i have just been hooked listening to her all week long uh, and it, which is very rare for me. I kind of I don't tend to be monogamous in my music listening, but I've I've listened to a ton of her stuff this week. And it all started off with one video that I just kind of came across on YouTube. And uh, it, her name I'm going to try so hard to not mess this up. Surreal Amy. Um, she's a a French uh, singer and uh, just amazing. Just one of those people that if you're if you're a singer of any kind. You listen to someone who has this much control and talent in their voice, and it pisses you off, because you're like, at least for me, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't do that. My voice don't do that. Just it, just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, she is absolutely amazing. I'll link a, a, a link to the video that I first saw, which is uh, from something called like the Sanborn Sessions or whatever. It's David Sanborn, jazz saxophonist, uh, in his home studio, and they're doing a a cover of just the two of us, uh, Bill Withers tune, and and she's singing, and it goes into this point where you're like you're expecting David Sanborn because it's named after him to go into a solo, and because that's what you know you're gonna do. No, she goes into like this scat solo where I'm like, really, you you're, damn it, I feel horrible about my singing ability, yeah, <laughs> because she is so controlled and so good. Yeah. And then the second half of that video is is her building her own song with a with a looping station, hmm. which normally is it's kind of a gimmick, but it's it's a cool gimmick. Man, she is so freaking good at that. Yeah. Uh, so then I went looking a little bit deeper, and I found uh, a couple of her albums. Her most uh, her most recent album, you actually have to subscribe to her Patreon page. Mm-hmm. But then there's a. a album she recorded in two uh, was released in 2019 it's called move on a sondheim adventure it's all stephen sondheim who is a, a musical writer uh, all of his uh, interpretations of some of his songs and one of them uh, a song called marry me a little is uh, was nominated for a grammy for uh, best arrangement so there's uh, she is uh, acclaimed but she is also freaking amazing and then uh, there's uh, all of her albums are worth your time nice. uh, and auditory attention so that is my uh, and another thing for this week go check out everything that Cyril Emmy has done and you will not be disappointed Mm -hmm. so once again thank you all for tuning in thank you for listening and thank you for uh, well let's just let's just say this thank you for hopefully being good to the human beings who are around you Mm. this week Uh, we are going to speak hopefully and we're going to we're going to say that uh, you know you know what Damn it! Just just love somebody out there. Just just be good to other people. That's 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 all we're gonna ask. Amen. Uh, if you want to subscribe, that's fine. If you don't want to subscribe, that's fine. But damn it, just be good to somebody this week mm-hmm. for us. That's that's what we're really asking mm-hmm. for. So at this point in the show, what I like to do is I like to hand over for the anchor leg of this adventure, the the itty odyssey. I guess is what we should really be calling this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't even claim to claim that. It, that's oh. that's actually I'm ripping that right off from Francis Ford Coppola. There you go. Thanks, Francis. If you're gonna steal, steal from someone who's really good. <laughs> uh, that's what I've learned. Uh, so I like to hand this over to the the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. And I like to say, Brother Tim, would you please, sir, take us home? 
yes, sir. Uh, you know, we've we've gotten away a little escape to to uh, some some science fiction geekery, and uh, we've once again talked for uh, probably longer than we should have about it. But it's okay. Oh, we've most definitely talked oh, for longer than gosh. we should have. Yeah, we 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 we've tried to. Skin this cat seven different ways, but we just cannot shut our yaps when it comes to this show. Hey, hey, so. be, be, do, ixnay on the skinning the cat. Hey, oh. she's she's awake now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she heard, eh? <laughs> she, she's giving me a dirty look. I'm I'm probably going to be skinned in my sleep. Oh boy. Well, we 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 we've tried seven different ways of approaching this show, and and, and you know the reason why cats are so ornery, right? Why is that? Because they're 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 the nature's perfect killing machine, but they only weigh like twelve pounds. <laughs> so we're always picking them up, and they're really pissed off about that. Oh man! I am an alpha level level predator. Put me down! Put me down! <laughs> Put me down! Is it? Hey, we just want to snuggle them, and they're like, no, no. Oh my! Let gosh. me go kill something. Oh my! Gosh. I should be running on the African plains. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Anyways, I'm sorry. I no, no. Hey, that. that's what we're all about, man. The digression, but. Uh, no, just, uh, you know, as we, as we get into the final stretch here, uh, daybreak, uh, we're looking forward to going through that and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just, just talking through these, these final three episodes and, and, and just bringing it all together, bringing it home, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. it'll be, it, it will be wonderful. It will be interesting. So please bear with us for, for just one more episode on this. Uh, but we do thank you for uh, for for slogging through it, much as the ragtag fleet had to slog along for four years. So, uh, with that being said, uh, be kind, be safe, be healthy, and please hit the lights on the way out. I can take the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast.